0: Warning, there will be spoilers, so if you haven't seen the movie that we're discussing today, I suggest you stop the podcast and go watch it. Then when you come back and listen, you'll get more out of the discussion. On this episode, we discuss David Fincher's Alien 3. Sebastian and I am here with Chris hello and welcoming back to the podcast Steve say Steve how you doing good good to be back thank you Sebastian this is a monumental occasion we decided it was time now today was uh, the World Cup and I know a lot of people are really upset about England losing but the real battle is gonna go down right here hell yeah on the 10-pole trauma podcast because we're talking about Alien 3, which is a highly controversial film in Chris and I's history. So we're going to
1: throw down... I'm going to get my my acid blood is already boiling.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, Alien 3 perhaps is not one of the bigger financial failures of a, a movie we've discussed here, although it was considered a flop in the U.S. because of its grosses, and especially in comparison to Aliens. But, I think more importantly, it was the reaction to it, both critical and sort of fan base, that really makes it appropriate for this show. Now, I am a huge fan of the Alien franchise in general. The first film, Alien, is my favorite movie of all time. It was one of the first R-rated movies I got to see in the theater because I campaigned all summer long for my dad to take me. And nobody wanted to take me because I was too young, but I was like, I got to see Alien. I got to see Alien. I wanted to see it so bad because I heard there was a alien that bursted out of a guy's chest. And so my dad took me to see it, and I loved it. So Alien is really kind of more my Star Wars. I loved Star Wars too, but Alien was the movie I was just obsessed with. I read the novelization, and I loved, loved, loved the movie and saw it a bunch of times. Now, Aliens came out when I was a teenager, and I loved that too. I thought it was as good of a sequel as I ever could have hoped for. I saw it a whole bunch of times with my friends, and I was all about Aliens as well. I didn't quite love it as much as the first Alien, but... I kind of loved it equally in its own way because it was such a different movie. But that brings us up to Alien 3. Chris, what is your history with the Alien franchise?
1: I'm just a step behind you. Basically, I never saw Alien in the theater. I saw Aliens before Alien, but I had read the comic graphic novel. It was like the graphic novel my brother had, and it was sitting in a bookshelf. And they were like, don't look at that. It's too scary. And, And then... Occasionally I would sneak it out of the bookshelf and open it up and be like, this isn't so bad. And then I got to the double page chestburster spread and I was like uh-huh. traumatized for a week. And I was like, no, they're right. Put it back in the shelf and, uh. and then I couldn't deal with it. So when Aliens came out, you know, I was like. I'm ready for this. I probably wasn't ready. I was probably a little too young to see it in the theater, but my brother, good or bad brother, however you see it, got me a ticket and I saw it and I was I was scared and traumatized but thrilled. I remember walking out of the theater like shaking and um, after that I saw Alien, of course. So, you know, huge, huge fan, life-changing, one of the best movies I've ever seen. To this day, I love Aliens. Alien is a continually rewarding motion picture for me to watch. It's the the craft behind it is so amazing, and Aliens for me is the textbook example of how to do a proper sequel. I mean, I think it, it takes everything that Alien did, and you know, turns it up to eleven, and just is successful in every way. Having said that, I was a big fan. I went to see Alien Three in the theater. It was almost a Phantom Menace you know, feeling for me where I'm like, wait a minute, what just happened? It couldn't have been that bad. I think I saw it three times in the theater and kind of convinced myself that I loved it. And only, you know, after, like, digesting everything have I, like, settled on my current opinion of it. And I don't know if you want to get into, you know, the opening things and why everyone's so upset about it, but I had that reaction, that typical fan reaction. So I did see it three times in the theater. I I had... There's also that franchise, like it's kind of like Star Wars where you're like, I love this franchise so much that you convince yourself that you're having a good time and you've got to see it three times to make sure that it really does suck (laughs) and that, you know, I wasn't just deluding myself or vice versa that like, I thought I loved it. But then on that third time, I'm like, no, I was right. This isn't good. And, you know, it's like, Movies like this that you care so much about, I feel like there's so much to digest and uh, process that it needs to be done. And I think that's, that's why we love movies. You know, we're movie nerds. That's why we're going to go see a movie multiple times in the theater, just to digest and, and figure out what your true feelings are. And I feel like I, w- I wanted to give Alien 3 the respect that, you know, it deserved in the, the trilogy that's Alien.
0: Steve, what is your feelings on the Alien franchise leading up to Alien 3?
2: I love Alien and Aliens the entire franchise. Unlike Chris, I saw Aliens before I saw the first one. When I was around 10 or 11, my parents and uncle had a VHS of Aliens somehow. I don't know whether it was real or not. Anyway, I snuck downstairs when they were gathering to watch it when they lift the woman's head up in Aliens and her eyes opened up Mm -hmm. and then the chest. And I was like sitting in the back and they didn't even know I was there. (laughs) I was traumatized for two weeks. Did not want to see that movie up until really later in life. But then like when it was like all released on laser disc, I had like the, the seven disc edition of Aliens and got the first movie, the art design for like the sets and the hallways um, An Alien. And then you take that production value of uh, James Cameron and Aliens. It's just uh, incredible. And I love just the Alien design from H.R. Giger. I have like a collection of um, his art books and like big prints of like all of his stuff just around just because that design from Alien just brought me into that, you know, biomechanical creature design
0: yeah i remember a friend of mine had one of those books right after alien came out we would sit at his house and just look at it because there was all these other crazy designs that didn't really get used in the movie um, right. and we would just oh look that's what the chest burster was gonna look like or whatever when I mean, we were like way too young to be looking at that shit but <laughs>
2: <laughs> no i mean that his stuff is super erotic Anyway, um, in '92, um, I was in high school. I f- saw in the theater with a bunch of my friends. I remember the just the poster design, even the initial trailer, the teaser, yeah, for Alien Three. They mimic the title sequence opening for um, Alien. Like when the movie started, when I rewatched it, I'm just like, these titles are horrible. Why not make it like the teaser trailer? The teaser trailer was great. And then at the end, like, the tagline is, like, you know, in space, no one can hear you scream. But then it was, like, on Earth, everyone can hear you scream. And it's, like, oh, are they going to Earth? Yeah. And it's, like, such a fucking tease because they don't actually do that. Nope. Um, But then I was, like, oh, People in the audience on Earth are screaming because it's just a scary movie. No, they
0: didn't know at that point that they weren't going to go to Earth. They were thinking they were going to go to Earth. So that whole promotional campaign was kind of like a, a maybe like they didn't really know because i think that like came out like a year before the movie came okay, out. Okay,
2: those trailers
1: are full of lies. Yes, they are lies. Yes, yeah, Steve, quit making you're making excuses for the marketing team there. Like you're you're giving them the benefit of the doubt. No,
2: i mean, i i came to that earth conclusion just now watching uh, the trailer okay. again. But at the time <laughs> i was
1: like, wait, what? Well, here's i can bring up Black Widow right now. There's a certain line in the Black Widow trailer that's not in the movie that i was very upset wasn't in the movie.
2: Yeah, that's normal now.
0: Man, that's Marvel,
2: man. There yeah. that's just Marvel's marketing machine.
1: Marvel like puts the Hulk in shots that he's not there for. That's they do all true. sorts of lies. Right. Yeah, but well yeah. with Infinity War there's so many moving parts, I get that, but anyway. It, it is oh what like is.
2: an um the Rogue One trailer horrible it's like yes. oh
1: where's that scene yeah that's that's egregious I mean one line I can do without but like whole action sequences you pay your good money you want to see that and when they don't when it's not in there I feel like you should sue
0: <laughs> just briefly um because he wasn't a thing at this point it was his first movie uh, David Fincher famously directed this. And he's famously disowned it. He doesn't like this movie because he felt like he didn't really get to make the movie he wanted to make. He was under huge pressure, time constraints, all sorts of shit. It was a horrible uh, shoot for him, and he's not a fan of the movie. But are you guys fans of David Fincher? I am. I like his movies a lot. Some more than others, but I really like Seven. I really
2: like Gone Girl. I really like Fight Club. I love his work so much so that, like, when I found out that Fight Club was being directed by him, I like read the book, saw the movie. Like, yeah, I love all of his stuff, even the remake of uh, Girl on Fire, Dragon Tattoo, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Um, I like that version. A lot, actually.
1: Yeah, I love his work. I mean, he's a phenomenal director. I think Fight Club and Seven are pretty much masterpieces. I think Gone Girl's also great. I think he's a great director with when he's got the material. You know, I don't think he's a guy like Ridley Scott or James Cameron who can, like, take, like, a half-baked script and then still make it amazing. I mean, James Cameron writes all his own stuff. So I feel like anybody will always be a a step above if they write their own stuff because, you know, they it's literally gestating from them and they know exactly what they want it to look like and they can solve any story problems that might be there. David Fincher, at his worst, is just, will make something look good and, and feel good, but then he might not solve story problems. He's a very cold director. He's kind of like in that sense of Stanley Kubrick, um, where, you know, there's not a lot of humanity yeah. to the to the movies.
0: He's very exacting.
1: Yes, he's very exacting. Everything's locked off. It's all very, you know, and that's that can be great. You know, I don't have a problem with it. But he's not going to bring, like, humanity where it's like, oh, if he made E.T., it would be like this cold you know, movie where no one cried at the end, you know. I've never cried at a David Fincher movie, and so, not to disparage him, I think he's a phenomenal director, don't get me wrong, I'm just pointing it out. Those might be his shortcomings, if anything, but he's he's great.
0: Before David Fincher came on to this project, it had a really, really tortured pre-production. They wanted to make this sequel pretty much right after Aliens was a huge hit, And Walter Geiler and David Hill were sort of the two producers who sort of shepherded the movie through all these different versions. They ended up getting the screenwriting credit for the movie, but it's really because they were there as producers from the beginning, trying and trying and trying to get this damn movie made. And basically the problem was nobody really knew what to do everyone knew they couldn't do alien again everyone knew they couldn't do aliens again so how do you do this they brought in the cyberpunk author william gibson to do a draft and their original plan was to do two movies two parts kind of like they do now when they film like you know the lord of the rings two parts or whatever and so he wrote two scripts And the first one was going to be about sort of space Marines. Hicks was going to sort of slide into the lead position. Space communists get a hold of the alien DNA or whatever and start making crazy alien hybrids and stuff. It eventually got made into an audible audio book, the screenplay, and I listened to it. It's pretty crazy. (laughs) I don't. Think it would have been a great movie, but I'm only listening to a dramatization of the script. But they had like Michael Bean come back and stuff like that. And I believe Lance Henriksen. For most of the story, Ripley is in a coma. I forget what happens Uh. to Newt. I think Newt is alive, but she gets like shipped off back to Earth or something. She gets kind of taken Uh. out of the story, but she lives. Then the second movie was going to be on Earth and aliens invading Earth, and Ripley was going to come back for that. They went through a bunch of directors, Rennie Harlan. He was involved at one
1: point, and they just decided that they didn't like it. Have you seen the – there's like a enhancement pod on the DVD of Rennie Harlan – literally talking about why he stepped down i
0: watched it a long time ago i haven't rewatched. it. oh
1: it's 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 great and i i give kudos to renny harlan because he basically says like look guys i've been at this for 12 months and we can't crack this code and he yeah. goes like i don't think i can do this because it's not in line with alien and aliens and then he goes i i even though we've invested all this time i feel like we can't do it and he stepped down and i'm kind of like I have a, so much respect for him, and I think like that was kind of the right move.
0: The next version was written by David Tuey of Riddick fame, who I have defended uh, on previous podcasts. <laughs> Listen to our Chronicles of Riddick podcast. He always comes up. And Waterworld, he had a hand in that. Yep,
1: yep, he's your man. Right. T- if
0: Tui's involved, I'm a happy man. <laughs> he came in and he wrote a story about a Prison Planet, so that's where the Prison Planet basically comes. Comes in. Not a lot from his draft was kept other than that central idea. It didn't involve Ripley again, because like basically Sigourney Weaver was like being wishy-washy about wanting to come back. And so, you know, they had all these versions without her. And then one of the, the the lead guys at Fox were like, no, it's got to be Ripley. This series is all about Ripley. So they offered Sigourney Weaver $5 million, which was a huge amount of money, especially for a female lead at that point. So she was like, all right, I'm back in. But she also got script approval. And she got to get her ideas in there, which is why there are no guns in this movie because she specifically did not want guns in the yeah. movie. There was another draft by the Near Dark guy, Eric Red, who is guilty of vehicular manslaughter. He, like, drove drunk into a cafe in Hollywood and killed a bunch of people. Holy crap. So he's Shit. been blacklisted from Hollywood since then. His script was apparently terrible, and he even admits it. He was like, I had two weeks to write it. I disown it. I wouldn't even put my name on it. Wow. And then the most interesting one came from a British guide, Vincent Ward, who had done this movie Flight of the Navigator, which had kind of gotten a little bit of heat around that time.
2: Man, I love that movie. Well, tell up until the
0: end. Well, we'll save that for the Flight of the Navigator podcast.
2: Okay, All right. uh,
0: But he brought in this cr- kind of crazy idea of having it be about monks and Ripley crash lands on this planetoid satellite type of thing which is actually like wooden inside like at the interiors like all wooden gothic cathedral type of thing and they're all monks there's this whole religious thing where they think she's a punishment from god and then the alien shows up and then the alien is like the devil and newt and hicks die in that one too so newt and hicks dying and the sort of religious aspect all come from this draft. So what happened then? They had this draft, and everybody kind of liked this one. And like uh, Sigourney was like, "I'm I'm down for this. This is strange and esoteric. I think this is a cool way to go." But Geiler and Hill and the uh, executives at Fox were like, "Are we going to really be able to sell the idea of a wooden planet on people? Like they couldn't wrap their heads around that idea." which I kind of understand, but at the same time, like I actually took a look at this script and the way they describe it, it's like the planet is kind of like a normal planet on the outside, but then like, Inside, it's sort of a wooden cathedrally type thing.
1: That's cool. Yeah, that's way better than everything I've heard and pictured as, like, oh, the wooden planet. You're like, this is not sci fi. If it's, yeah, there's no wooden space stations, you know, but that makes more sense. I I would, in my mind, I was thinking, I'm like, oh, the way it would be, you know, is to make it metal on the outside and wood on the inside so that you have that Renaissance. Christian, not cathedral, but, you know, church feel. So that makes sense. They
0: were going for, like, medieval sci-fi, which I think could have been a cool idea. Mm -hmm. And I kind of do think it's a little lame that they couldn't just have a little bit more imagination and be like, well, we can make this work. Like, make the exterior be metal like what you're talking about. But then the interior, now you're in this almost medieval type setting. With like wooden structures and yeah. stuff. I feel like you could have gotten around it.
1: Yeah, and there's one part where, in this is in one of the other drafts, I think the Vincent Ward draft, where. They have like a wheat field yeah. and then somebody sets the wheat field on fire so that they can kill the alien. But then the entire planet catches fire. And I'm like, that's a great idea. You know, it's it's wood and then it catches fire and then they're in hell. And now it's all just like metal, but on fire metal with like, you know, molten pieces of fire dropping down from it. I'm like, what a great image that could have made for like the third act of the movie. Yeah. So, you know, in doing research for this, there were so many cool out there, interesting ideas that were floated around that never made The actual cut. Right,
0: and you can see the actual structure of what we get comes from the Vincent Ward draft. Like, even what you're talking about with the fire, there's a fire Mm -hmm. sequence in in the movie. Yeah. They took a lot of those beats and just fused it into the David Tui prison planet idea, kept the idea of them sort of being monks, only now they're prisoners who found religion.
1: They half-assed it all. (laughs) They watered it down. and That sounds...
2: Like a good combination of all these things. Like I find it really hilarious that David Tui was like, man, that prison idea, I freaking love it. And then he's like, oh, there's a planet (laughs) called Fury 161. Well, dude, I'm going to use that in my, you know, next Riddick script. It's hilarious.
0: He probably came up with that name and then was like, well, I came up with that name. I'm using it in my Riddick movie.
2: Is it called Fury 161? It's called uh, Fiorina 161. But the nickname is oh, Fury. Furina.
1: I see. Okay, good for him. No, that's he came up with that shit. Put it in your movie.
0: So that brings us to the movie we get in 1992, which is Alien 3. Now, my experience with this movie was I was super excited to see it because I was a big Alien fan. It took a long time to get here. So, you know, we're talking six years or whatever. So I was kind of like, huh, they finally got around to making this. And I remember seeing the initial trailers and the thing that just got me psyched was that shot of the yeah. alien going up against Ripley as she's pinned against the wall. That shot just got me so jazzed to see it because I'm like, oh, totally. my God, what is going on with this?
1: Yeah, yeah. That was the one that got everybody, yeah. And
0: I would argue that is maybe the best shot in all of the Alien franchise. I'd make an argument for that being the most iconic shot.
2: Sure, sure. I mean, there's lots of iconic shots in all the movies. I don't even want to get into.
1: I'm
0: just saying, if I could, if I took, had to take one image. To sum up, what Alien, the Alien franchise means—at least these okay. first four movies—that image would be like all you need. It's Ripley, and it's this fucking monster, and this monster is scary, and she's badass.
1: Right. It's hard to top it. Yeah. I mean, if if there was one chest burster shot but it's a whole sequence so like as far as single uncut shots it is up there yeah it's hard to beat
0: but i mean my initial reaction was i definitely felt a little let down considering like i was a huge fan of aliens but i did more or less like it i didn't see it a bunch of times like chris did but i've really come to appreciate alien 3 more over the years i've revisited it and every time i revisit it I feel like I find something more to like about it. And when they released this uh, 2003 cut, I felt like that fixed a big chunk of problems for me. Um, And by the way, the 2003 cut that I'm talking about started off as a work print which had a bunch of new scenes added, but the scenes had not been um, like color corrected and they had not done the ADR and stuff. So then when the Blu-ray set came out 10 years ago or whenever it came out, they went back and they actually did the, they got the actors back and did the ADR. And so now you can see that version pretty much in a perfect form.
1: There's even a CG um, alien shot. Oh, there is? Yeah, when it comes out of the ox, I think that's like a CG shot oh. that they were saying was actually done way much later when once CG was available. They're like, oh, this is, you know, I don't know who sprung for it, but yeah, they, they did a CG alien. And then when it runs down the the sort of lockers.
2: Now you make me want to watch those uh, bonus features because I didn't know that. So uh, we start with these
0: credits, which Steve already sort of complained about. And I think with good reason, because in the first two movies, we get these really iconic credit sequences. I mean, especially in the first movie, the word alien is spelled out over a really long period of time. You're getting the actor's credits in small text, but every time a credit comes up, a new part of the lettering appears. Yeah. And then with aliens, you get kind of the same thing, but then this big blue light comes through and stuff. And then with this, you're just getting... This really bad, large font, like Sigourney Weaver, really big with like a star field behind it. And then we're getting flash cuts in between of what is happening on the ship Sulaco, where our heroes Ripley, Newt and Hicks were left off in the last movie as well as bishop so we're getting just really quick flashes of like a face hugger of some of the pods being breached but it's all cut together kind of quickly so you're not really sure what happens i think like sprinklers go on at one point and then the, all their tubes are put into this escape vehicle and that is sort of shot off away from the main ship you know this is all done really quickly it feels rushed
1: and clunky it's- so ham-handed it feels like made for tv from the 90s and it's it's not done well at all
0: well i would say the shots themselves are cool they're kind of artfully done but it's the way it's edited
1: is not good also just like i remember watching this in the theater and being like oh there's an alien stuck on board this is it this is the best they could come with i'm up with after six fucking years of waiting for this shit of course like this is you know someone put a gun to your head right after you walked out of aliens and said hey Come up with an Alien 3 sequel. Oh, alright, there's an alien on the ship and, uh, and then it does it face hugs them and then they have to evacuate. It's so fucking stupid. I hate it. Oh wow. I mean
2: that's uh, a bit much. I I like how the first movie, big ship, sort of like Star Wars Star Destroyer, and then they like slowly show you all their beautiful set design, and then they, you know, have them slowly wake up out of hyper sleep, cryosleep or whatever. And then the second movie is the same thing. You see the lone ship in space woken up by the salvage crew, very slow. And then, and then this one, it's sort of that same thing. You see the giant ships of Sulaco. You see them in cryosleep. Those beats are there. It's just cut in the sort of 90s, and maybe I'm just saying this because I know he came from a music video, like the 90s quick cut cuts for this opening to jump you in. And yes, it could have all been done. I think a modern cut, where you actually do have the lines come in of the the title?
0: I think it would have been better to just not know yeah 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 just come in like not knowing at all like and, and, and don't even explain it like i think the problem is at that point they felt people needed to have some sort of explanation i feel like right. if this came out now you could get away with just not really explaining it yeah because people right. are more comfortable with the, that sort of mystery you know what i mean like that'd be so much cooler i will concede that these credits are not good
1: i don't want to impugn david fincher because let's just say you know He left the picture. So none of this is really on him. I feel like if he had his directors cut, this is he might not have gone this way. You know, who knows? This all just feels like ham-handed hacked together because they're like, Well, this is how we gotta do it. Good enough.
0: It feels ham-handed and it feels like hand holding. Like exactly. People are gonna need to know this. Right. Which I don't really think people need to know.
1: And like we're comparing just the other two are so effective, you know, like the aliens. Even just the music you hear, you know the the snare drum, which you know gives you the military feel and all this stuff. Like there's so much more thought and and motif building in in the other movies that is not present here.
2: Having seen the other two movies and knowing that this is the third one, what if you went into the third one without having seen the other two and not knowing the end sequence of Aliens and be like, oh yeah, she the Queen put a, an egg on the ship as her last like fuck you to those guys to think for the first half of the movie that oh shit this lady's crazy she's like paranoid as fuck about like nothing and you don't know if it's real that would have been really interesting
0: yeah. It's done that way basically in the Vincent Ward draft where you're okay. just not given the explanation. You don't really know what happened. Funny side note, one of the first things I ever wrote as a kid was a sequel to Alien. And in my sequel, nice. the, the alien had infected Jones. <laughs> and so jo- the alien came out of Jones, Aww. and so it was like a cat
1: alien. That's awesome, though. You know, that makes sense. And and you know what? This The reason this sucks is... There's no cat. There's no Jones in this, which I, you know, venture is the reason this movie sucks. I am a cat person, duh. So this EEV crashes
0: on the planet Fury 161. We're given a little text information about it. Now, in the 2003 cut, which I prefer, we get a sort of scene where we see this character walking through this kind of bleak landscape where there's this sort of industrial-looking machinery he's got sort of a, a hooded coat and stuff and he notices that there's this eev has crashed in the water and he goes to investigate and he actually finds ripley washed up on the shore and she's like covered with like these bugs it's really nasty but he picks her up and brings her back in. I feel like this is a much better beginning. It's much sort of slower paced. Yeah. And we are introduced to the character of Clemens played by the awesome Charles dance Yes, in the um, regular cut. We don't see any of this. We do see the EV crash. It like falls into the water and then we immediately get the prisoners going to investigate it. And it's funny because we get that scene later in the theatrical cut. But in the theatrical cut, they put in like a dog in the background <laughs> because they're switching out. The creature that the alien incubates in, in the 2003 cut, the alien incubates inside these ox because they have the prisoners have these oxen that like they use um, for labor, which I think is a better idea that would make sense that they would have these But I guess, you know, they thought that, you know, the alien coming out of an ox wasn't dramatic enough or something.
1: No, they thought it was, they thought it was too slow that an oxen wasn't like fast or deadly enough that if it was to take on the properties of an oxen, they said it would be too slow, which does to me is dumb. Like you can, it can take on whatever deadly aspects it wants and still be ferocious. You know, I, this kind of another, this is red, red flags everywhere where like, they didn't know what the alien was going to come out of? Come on, that should have been like set in stone. Well, they knew it was going to come out of an animal. They just changed their mind. It's always going to make problems with production down the road. The,
0: but I'm saying the idea for the, this new alien was always going to be it takes on the property an of an animal. animal. That was right. from the, the
1: Vincent Ward. That's guy. a dope idea, yes.
2: The idea that the alien embryo takes on the, the properties of its host was great. Mm-hmm. And the 1990 two or maybe four aliens toy line which was all about you know the james cameron film they took that idea of the alien mimicking whatever it burst out of and made like a a bunch of toys like gorilla alien panther bat snake um, um ox rhino i had most of those toys scorpion and it was just a really cool idea. If you want to see a kick-ass movie made from those toys that
0: I made with Damon, Damon Wellner, yes. check out Alien 5 Squared. Yes. It's on YouTube. Look for Alien oh, nice. 5 Squared by Probot Productions.
1: Your character is based on uh, unused Marine right? my
0: character is O'Malley O'Malley. He's a fictional marine character that they added for the toy line that was not in aliens I wrote and uh,
1: starred in that film Sebastian does a killer Irish accent made entirely with that
0: line of action figures It's pretty good. I have to say it's
1: better than alien 3. (laughs)
0: Let's get into our characters now originally I would say there was kind of a flaw in the design of the look of a lot of these characters. Oh, yeah. They all have shaved heads because they're sort of trying to evoke this monk motif. But they're they're prisoners, they're hardened prisoners who've been sent to this planet to live out the rest of their lives. But there's lice on the planet, which I think is a cool idea, but they've shaved all their heads. And in the 92 version, it's a little bit of a problem because you've got all these mostly white British guys with shaved heads, and it's a little hard to keep them straight. Absolutely. I feel the 2003 cut helps because you get more of these characters, you you learn more about them, so you can differentiate them a little bit better.
1: There's also a big problem in that Morse and Gallic, is are those the names? Yes. If, if you put the two, like, even with hair, put their two headshots next to each other, those guys look extremely similar.
0: Well, Morse has some gold teeth.
1: So in addition to, like the fact that they don't have hair. They cast two dudes that look almost exactly alike, and then the exact same thing happens to both of them. They both get covered in like, in blood and freak out on a on a gurney or whatever. I was so mixed up with everybody, even though like the, the cast is great. You're absolutely right with this, and you don't spend enough time. There's too many of them. It's just a mess as far as characters.
2: I mean, I don't feel you need that in the, the theatrical cut. I do appreciate in the, the 2003 cut that you do, yes, get to spend a little bit more time with each of them or more moments so that you can differentiate them. The crazy thing is, it's like 1992, you're looking at some of those actors and you you just know where they are now. It's like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah, yeah. It's so fun. It's a who's who of British actors.
1: Yeah, they're all great. Like,
0: Like, I will say this. Yes, it is kind of hard to tell them apart, especially when you're not that familiar with this movie. However... They're all great. Like, everybody is delivering awesome yeah. performances. There's nobody in the whole cast that's, like, doing the wrong thing or there hasn't pitched their performance to fit in exactly with everyone else despite the disadvantage of just the design. And, you know, the design of the film, too, is also, you know, they're wearing all these sort of drab clothes that kind of all look the same. It's a prison. That's how they're going to look. So, It's not like they can't all be wearing flair, you know? Like, I mean, and some guys are wearing hats. Some guys have tattoos on their faces or whatever. So you do kind of learn to differentiate with them. I think it's harder in the earlier cut because it's just moving quicker.
1: I get what you're saying. I mean, I think the people who stand out stand out you know we know who charles dances we know who dutton is dylan you know i feel like and then the rest of the yeah dylan and so the rest of them are all just just cannon fodder anyway so it really doesn't make that big of a difference you know oh this one's crazy right. this one's a dick and you know they just given such bad dialogue too i don't
2: agree with you on that this is such a quotable movie
1: To me, the dialogue is horrible. It's like, yo, fuck this, come get me, bastard. It's just, oh, God. To me, it's just really unimaginative, boring dialogue for me. You know, it's just given to these red shirts who will die anyway that you know. So
2: that's fine. Because in the beginning of the movie, you're like, there's 25 prisoners here. That's the only thing you need to know and then you need to know the number at the end <laughs> right like, right
0: yeah i don't think the dialogue is bad i mean i think when they're together they talk like prisoners they're not going to like be these erudite scholars they're like dirt bags
1: yeah but the the marines the marines and aliens were were dirt bags the marine dialogue and aliens is terrible but it's so much more it's so much more entertaining whereas this one is just like Oh god, it's so stupid. That tough a... guy
0: marine shit and aliens. It's tiresome.
1: Yeah, it's hilarious. It's hilarious and entertaining. It's so entertaining. It's tiresome because everybody has has tried to right. do it after James Cameron and then here you know, it's just like, okay, we're doing these prisoner talk, but it's like no one says anything all that funny or interesting or perverted anyway. They're just like... I
0: also feel there are plenty of characters and Aliens that I don't really pay attention to and don't register. There's red shirts and Aliens, sure. too. It's like you've yeah. got your four guys you pay attention to, and it's basically the same situation here. So, oh, come on, where's Baski and Frost? You know all those guys. They're awesome. I'll give the advantage to Aliens. Overall, it's a better movie. I'm not trying to say yes. that this is a better movie sure. than Aliens. I'm saying this is a better movie than people give it credit for. Possibly. I think these actors distinguish themselves really well considering the disadvantage they have I agree. of having to...
1: With the script!
0: <laughs> no, not the script. With the just the, the concept of being prisoners, you're sort of locked sure. into a certain look and a certain idea. But I think... The way things look, because Fincher is such an amazing visualist, I think the mm-hmm. this grubby basement of a world they're in is fucking awesome. Sure. It's so well designed and gross. And I know it's not like a fun place to hang out, but it's just got this atmosphere, which I feel was kind of missing from Aliens. You know, like it's got a whole vibe to it that brings it back to like a horror movie, moving away from like big military action thing. I think there's a lot to enjoy in the the
1: design and the look of the movie. Yeah. Sebastian, this is your jam. I mean, like when I was watching this, I was like, here is the elevated version of everything that Sebastian's been talking about on Tentful Trauma <laughs> this whole time. Every time he's saying like, I love the look of Riddick. I love the look of Dune. And I'm like, here it is done well. This grubby sci-fi, you know, depressing look. I believe it. Yeah, I'm not putting anything away from you, but this is this is it. This is your pinnacle. This is I know why you like. all this. I ask from a sci-fi
0: movie is make me believe it. I don't care if it's not the most fun place in the world. Like, you know what I don't believe is like Ready Player One, but like that place is cool, right. man. But I don't fucking believe it. It's not believable. <laughs> I don't believe that world. I don't believe like the world in AI when they go to like whatever City
1: Walk Land or whatever. Like, I'm not believing. Yeah, that's that. lame. It's yeah, it's not grimy enough. Yeah, totally. But like,
0: this is like you're telling me this is a prison planet at the shit end of the world. I believe it. It looks like it. I'm buying it. And that's all I want.
1: The set designer is badass. I mean, he did Star Wars and all those other, you know, I mean, he part of the problem with the whole movie is he they greenlit the sets before they even had a script. And so they were kind of painted themselves into the corner because they're like, build, build, build. And he was like, I need a lot of time. I'm going to take over Elstree Studios, the Bond stage. We're going to build these giant sets. And they're like, oh, fuck, we don't have a script. and But we have to use this other thing here. And so like they were pot committed. And so so much bet ba- Like, that was, you know, I get it. You want to. Get a jump on everything and give this genius production designer, you know, time to do his thing. But it was kind of a, a bad call to to give him that green light without a script that was locked. But I agree with you. The, the look is amazing and it's pre-CG so this is one of the last movies where it's everything you see is built and it's atmospheric and you feel it and you're there. So yes I 100% agree with you. The the sets and the look and the feel are and all And this
0: there. rushing a movie to release to a release date is something that we're gonna see again and again in movie history and you'll always find Fox behind it. Like Fox is infamous ah. for pulling this crap. They did this with the X-Men series that's why the first mm. X-Men movie even though it's good it's got a kind of rushed quality you know by the end it's like what are they doing they're just like fighting on the Statue of Liberty yeah it's because Fox is always like we got a release date we got to make it and I think everybody was just so tired of not having an alien movie they were like no you're putting that movie in 1992 summer of 92 I don't care what it is finish it
1: right and that's
0: why you have this rushed production.
1: I mean, I hope they take a lesson from The Force Awakens, which got pushed from a summer to a December release, and it was like the biggest box office hit ever. Well, Fox is gone now, so... I'm just saying, with a a franchise, people will go wherever the release date is. You don't need to camp on it so it just seems crazy
0: they're just trying to please shareholders and stuff because you know we got to have the movie there for the right quarter or whatever
1: that's something Wayland yutani would do man i love their production
2: design on um on alien 3 and it's it's very brown very industrial gritty i love the sort of like baltimore dock scaffolding yeah. in the beginning super cool and you know a very Brown, sort of orange, rust movie. I played the video game for the SNES and the Genesis version of Alien 3. I did too. Very different, but they had a lot of the sort of industrial and the medical room with the tile as backgrounds for the game. And I played those games a lot, mostly because, yes, I love the vision, the art direction of this film so much. After this, I became a huge, like, Charles S. Dutton fan. I watch like every season of rock. Charles Dance, I know him from The Golden Child.
1: Yeah. Mumsy, like, so good. And uh, I know him from Out on a Limb with Shirley MacLaine, too. It was a TV movie in the 80s, and he was in that. Yeah, like, now you're like, oh, it's the
2: guy from Game of Thrones or whatever.
1: Well, and, like,
0: Paul McGann, who plays Golic played um, Doctor Who for, like, a TV movie. Really? He's a famous British actor, yeah. The guy with the dog, the guy with the sort of pockmarks, Murphy who gets killed in the ventilator shaft. Right. He's in a ton of stuff. He's the goon at the beginning of Batman who's
1: like, yo, the bat, ugh, we got about him. Right, he took a walk off her, of, got ripped off a roof. Yeah, and that's him. Took a bad trip. Yeah, 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 that guy. Wow. Nice the bat yeah sorry
0: (laughs) he shows up in everything he's like one of those guys where you're like oh it's that guy he's a British actor surprisingly but they filmed Batman at the same studios no
1: way he had the perfect like Chicago accent
0: yeah yeah so yeah I mean a lot of these guys you will recognize Holt McAllen is in there too there's a bunch of people who you recognize Uh,
1: did you hear that um, Richard E. Grant was gonna take the role of Charles Dance that
0: makes sense I could see that
1: I could see him working as well but I mean Charles Dance you know, knocks it out of the park.
0: I love Charles Dance's Clements in this. And yes. I remember when I first saw it, you know, he gets taken out relatively early, considering what a what an important character he is. And I remember being yes. completely shocked that they went there at the time. I was like,
1: Wow, like that guy's gonna die now? Like <laughs> I was shocked and then I realized that they don't even give you enough time to process it because immediately after that is the iconic shot of the alien and Ripley. So it's almost wasted the fact that they kill him and then and then before you even can process that you're like oh no wait how's she gonna get out of this here's that moment yeah and then it's fleeting and then i feel like it wasn't well planned or worth you know, the the sort of story points that they paid.
0: Yeah, I'll give you that. They could have made that more impactful.
1: Killing the warden was more shocking because that comes out of nowhere and you don't expect that. And so I feel like that's kind of your shock kill.
0: So what happens is Ripley is revived and she is coming out of it and she's like, what's going on? And Clemens, this doctor, explains what happened. You are found in an escape pod. And she's like, I got to go to the pod and see what happened. And so they go to the pod and this is where we learn the fate of Newt and Hicks, the two characters from the previous film. And Bishop. Who we have come to love and they have been sort of unceremoniously killed. Hicks has been killed by a collapsing part of the shuttle that has basically destroyed him and in the uh longer 2003 cut you get a shot of him and he's
1: completely pulverized. Yeah. Like yeah he's, his mouth is like open and pulverized, his jaws like in his brain.
0: Apparently Michael Bean was so pissed about this they had to use his likeness for, I don't know, a shot on a computer or something. He got paid yeah. as much As he got paid for aliens Mm -hmm. just for that shot. Because he was like, fuck you, pay me. You killed my character like that. Like, you pay me the money. And they did.
1: Originally, the alien was supposed to come out of his chest. Oh. He was supposed to have been chest-bursted. And he went fuck you you're not gonna have that thing's not gonna come out of my chest and they offered him more money and they're like just just more money Like he says no I don't care what's happening you can kill me off but if you're gonna kill me off that alien's not coming out of my chest and so apparently they just they had a whole that's why they articulated that corpse so so much it was because it was supposed to show that the alien came out of his chest instead they're like alright just put a damn shaft through it uh, and, and then he was like alright fine if, if you're gonna kill me pay me the money for my likeness or whatever I feel that
2: made it into to the theatrical cut as well, I mean, his jaw, the roof of his mouth was like lifted off so you could see the, the top of his mouth and whatnot. Yeah. And even the the Newt drowned, like that's like horrific imagery.
0: You see that more in the theatrical. Yeah, You see yeah. an actual shot of her tube and you see her like f- kind of frozen, I don't know, like underwater or something in the tube because she drowned. The, her tube flooded and she drowned. In the 2003 cut, you don't really see her. And then you just get a shot of um, Bishop. It's actually clearer who's who in the theatrical. Let's get into it now because this is the big sticking point for 99% of all people who dislike this movie is that they killed off Hicks and Newt and to some degree Bishop. Now, my feelings are I don't care Because I was a fan of the original Alien, Alien was all about everyone dying. And at the end, it's just Ripley and the Alien. And Jones. And Jones. So for Aliens to end with a whole bunch of new characters still alive, I didn't have a problem with it. But it wasn't like I was like, okay, well, now in the next movie, I want it to be Hicks, Ripley, and Newt fighting aliens. Like, I didn't want that movie. That's not what I signed up for. This isn't family time fun with aliens. It's Ripley versus the aliens. So I never really had a problem that they killed off Hicks and Newt. I know tons of people do, and I know Chris does. So, Chris, give us your take on how horrible this is.
1: It's just obvious. It's just disrespectful to the other film, is my feeling. I, get, I understand why you need a, a clean slate to, to go on, but you work so hard, you invest so much in aliens that these people survive through incredible circumstances. If they killed them off, halfway through the movie, if, if Hicks, you know, like, got killed by some prisoners trying to save Ripley from being raped or something like that, or, and then the kid got sent away or something, but it's so unceremonious, it's so disrespectful for anyone who invested in the other movies, it leaves you with a bad taste in, in your mouth, in your soul, it's just gut-wrenching, and they don't even really do anything with it, you know, if, if, we ever spent the whole movie mourning them, or somehow it affected the story. Maybe it would be worth it. It just really feels disrespectful to the audience. I've gotten over it over the years. I understand they had to do something. They wanted a clean slate. And side note, apparently there was a really fucked up Newt autopsy that was... Filmed but never used. They had they made like a full puppet and they, it was just her, them like opening her up and just like doing these horrible things to this 12-year-old girl. And Fincher apparently loved it and was like, yeah, this is going to be great and really wanted to need all the audience and thought it was like subversive and punk rock to do this. And I'm like, that's just, that's just dick, you know what I mean? I'm like, what? That's not that subversive. All right, you're playing with people's expectations. Now, how is it paying off? I don't know if it really Did that's how I feel, you know. I'm sure you know most people feel this feel the same way. And and if Alien Three had delivered as a great movie, I would accept it way more. But the fact that they did that and then came out with a half baked Alien Three sequel, fuck you. That was a dream in hypersleep.
0: Mm, No, it's still it still exists. I I know uh, Neil Blomkamp would like you to think it was a dream in hypersleep, but
2: nope, not yet.
0: Still canon.
2: Okay, so seeing the theatrical cut in, in 92, when it showed those sort of cool uh, Metal Gear Solid, like, digital faces of and the status of those characters, I was pissed. I was very angry. <laughs> like, yeah. like Chris says, at the end of Aliens, after all she went through to save Newt, and then, like, Hicks, who she, she had, like, this romantic thing go on, like, you leave that movie, and everything's right in the world... And then the new one comes out and I'm excited because the the poster with like the circular alien chestburster in green, like I was like all over it. Saw the movie, they killed off very important characters to me, and I was definitely mad. Now, yeah, I I mean I see what you're saying, Sebastian. I can agree that yes, it's not about them. It's about this one woman's journey dealing with this shit. From movie to movie. That's all the movies should be.
1: But Steve, it hurts. It hurts me too. It's
2: still there. That scar. Just taking it somewhere else is a strength to this movie. And it's sort of like when we're talking about music, you want the same album again. You want an album that's just like this album. And then they do something new and everyone's like, this sucks. And then a couple years later, they're like, you know that wasn't. This so is like
0: bad. Kid A after uh, OK Computer.
1: That's if Tom York fired all of Radiohead and then brought all these other shitty musicians in and then was like, "Here we go, guys!" Not the same.
0: None of the artists working on this movie are shitty. You cannot say this. It is not shitty art that you're being given. The
1: script is shitty. I want to attack the flaw in this movie and it's the script i'm not i don't want to attack the performances the look of the film the production design none of that maybe some of the visual effects the problem is the script the script is what i want to attack because everybody else is you know it's a well crafted movie otherwise
0: i do agree i know cameron feels that it was an insult to him and i understand that You know, I understand that as it's a person who created aliens and for the people who were most invested in aliens, this seems like a real fuck you. But to the people who were invested in alien, this seems like the right move. Because you need to have Ripley have everything taken away from her. And so to have Newt and Hicks taken away like right off the bat, like she's already like back on our heels and like she doesn't even have the support system she had in the last movie she's got nothing right so
1: how is that how is that interesting or new like that's we've seen her do this like what's what's great about that because
0: we're starting from there like this is like a descent into hell the first movie we get to see like what her normal life is, sort of like, and then shit goes crazy. The second movie, she gets home, and then they're like, no, we need your help. And she's like, Alright, I'll do it because you're fucking this whole
1: thing up. No, because she has she's traumatized and has to get rid of her bad dreams. Right, and
0: she has to deal with it. In this one, it's like, no, you got out of that. But now you have nothing. Now you've woken up and you're more fucked than you ever were. And you're on a planet with everyone's like a murderer and a rapist. And you've got no weapons. And your your people that you loved are dead. And you've got a fucking alien in you. It's just so... She's got nothing. And I
1: love it. I think the alien inside her is more of an interesting point than just like starting... To me, it's just uninteresting because it's just putting her back to where she wasn't in, in the second one just by herself so i'm like no
0: it's way worse than that it's way worse she's not by herself she's surrounded by murderers and rapists there's an alien inside her. that's way worse than being like alone on a star station or whatever she's f- totally screwed yeah
1: getting an alien insider is way more interesting than just being alone to me
0: You see what I'm saying, though? Like, it's not just being alone. It's way worse. Alright,
1: it's way worse. I'm still not... it's not compelling to me, you know? I'm still just like, ugh, okay.
0: I like stories where characters are completely fucked, and they have to get out of a situation. It's just a setup that I like. It's why I like, like, The Grey, or like, survival stories, where it's like people trapped out in the wilderness
1: right but like but you everything you're promising here doesn't really get delivered on she's never like just completely like have to fend off 25 prisoners she's she's got some you know she can hide away she's got the doctor to block tackle from all these people and like she's never it's never like this dark old oh, prison movie where ripley goes through so much stuff and gets you know, all these horrible, horrible things that really could have happened to her. Like, they just elude a little bit and they still don't, like, take you there where, you know, the movie you keep describing is not the movie I'm seeing. You know, you're like, she goes out of the frying pan into the fire. Okay, let's see it. But no, she's sleeping with a doctor. No, she's just hanging out waiting for Waylon yutani to come. It's like, I don't feel that that intense... Like ride that, you know, adrenaline rush that you keep describing. It's not an adrenaline rush. Aliens is an adrenaline rush. We're not an adrenaline rush. Sorry. It's, it's, but it's still like. It's an existential nightmare. The thumbscrews aren't turned quite enough to what you're describing.
2: Man, I don't want to see a freaking torture porn movie. As Alien 3. That's what you're describing, Chris. Like, I definitely don't want
1: that. Well, yeah, but I'm saying if Sebastian, if that's the movie Sebastian is describing, that's what I'm hearing. That seems to be the more interesting. Well, yeah, thing. but I
0: think it has to walk a line. You have to have other characters. You have to have her have like moments of things aren't just completely falling a down on her at every moment but at the same time i mean it's there's a feeling of dread that just permeates this movie that i don't even feel the first movie had well but in the second half of the movie but the first part of the movie you know you're just dealing with their day-to-day prosaic bullshit which is great and i love it but in this movie right. i just feel like it's like oh man it's just a it's it's a feeling and a vibe of dread that is just like deeply unsettling, that kind of runs through the whole thing. I agree with you to some degree, but I feel like you're discounting the sort of undercurrent that's sort of always there. There's just no way out of this situation. It's just, it's hopelessness. I can accept that hopelessness is not an emotion most people want to feel.
1: Yeah, it's not an entertaining, yeah. I get
0: that, but for me, I am just so caught up in the atmosphere and I feel like there's something really fucking ballsy about this. Like, it's just ballsy sure. to like put your main character in this sort of situation. It's ballsy to like make a sequel to a movie where you're like, you know, all that fun you are having, forget that, <laughs> you know, like we're not going to have any of that fun here and I get it. There's a detrimental effect to that, but for me personally, I just think it's ballsy as fuck to go there with this. And that could not be more well represented in the scene where we get the newt autopsy, as you were talking about, Chris. Not as graphic as what you are describing, and I'm glad they didn't go that
1: way. Come on, that would have been hopeless and awesome, man, seeing a 12-year-old girl cut in half. Come on! It would have been so ballsy.
0: I think that it was still pretty ballsy. We see like a naked little girl on a slab. It's
1: bad, yeah.
0: We get Clemens performing a autopsy on her and Ripley's demanding to see inside her chest cavity because she thinks she might be infected with an alien. And we get a friggin' bone saw cracking open the rib cage. We don't see it, but the noise. Yeah, the sound is enough. The sound is enough. Oh, and you see the blood running down the metal. It's... It's pretty brutal. That's about the line I like to go to. I don't want to see the actual corpse being ripped open, but pretty friggin' brutal.
2: Was it only in the 2003 cut that there's a sprig of, like, a tricolored flower stuck into the door of her morgue door? in both door, cuts. Yeah. Um, which I thought was a nice touch by the prisoners or Clemens or whoever. I do remember reading or hearing that Sigourney Weaver definitely wanted that this autopsy scene with newt to be very special or Mm -hmm. poignant or just you know a personal moment in one of the cuts of aliens you find out that her daughter had passed away while she was away for 57 years and i think in another cut like she calls her and she's pissed or something anyway newt was the surrogate daughter this is like a
1: huge moment and yeah, I felt it was good. I remember Sigourney Weaver was was upset that in Aliens they had cut out her whole story backstory about her daughter. So I wonder if yeah that this is sort of a reaction to that and yeah. just being like, look, don't cut this autopsy scene. This is my you know this is where my character is. You know without this you know if you're gonna go there, go there. I think is was her point in that you know I don't want to like. Go to that place as an actor, and then have it not be on film because it's it is a poignant moment.
0: I'm going to say something perhaps a little controversial here, and this is not to disparage her performances in either Alien or Aliens. They're both perfect performances, but I feel like this is her best Ripley. This version of Ripley gets to go through so much emotion, and like, and in this scene, the way she plays this is amazing. Are we getting a lot of her like morning Newt? No, but we get it on Sigourney Weaver's face while they're going through this autopsy. She doesn't really have time to sit around crying about Newt. I mean, in reality, she didn't really know Newt that long. You know, I know we all have a lot invested in Newt. I'm not saying she's not (laughs) bummed about Newt, but Newt wasn't literally her daughter. Newt was somebody that she saved the last time she was awake. (laughs) You know what I mean? So... I feel like the audience has more investment in Newt than Ripley really does.
1: Ripley sacrificed her life. She almost, she went down into the pit of the fucking queen to save this girl. She could have just taken off. Come on. That's
2: Ripley though. That's because Ripley's awesome. This is like relating Newt's role in the movie. To Jonesy in the first one. Yeah,
0: she did that for a friggin' cat. Oh yeah, she had
2: to go back and save the cat. Oh, she had to go back and save the kid. Exactly. That's why we love her. Right.
0: I just think this is one of Sigourney Weaver's all-time great performances.
2: She's
1: great. Whether
0: or not you like this movie or not, if you just took all of the moments of Ripley out from Alien, Aliens, and this, you have a complete character arc forget about if you have problems with the story i feel like ripley's story with this movie and taken into consideration is poignant and well acted all around and I think this is a great conclusion to Ripley's story. If the production is chaos around her, if the script isn't perfect or whatever, it doesn't matter because Sigourney is up to the plate and she's knocking it out of the park in this movie. And I would argue that it was probably a harder movie for her to do that than, say, Aliens, because Aliens was like giving her like everything to to work with, you know, it's given you're going to get into this big mech at the end and you're going to fucking sure. kick the shit out of a giant alien like, you know, and yeah, she delivers and it's awesome. But in this movie, it's like, yeah, she's got to do a lot of heavy lifting and I think she fucking kills it.
1: Wow, I just got a whiff of entertainment right there. Wow. Did you guys feel that? That was so much better than this hopelessness we're talking about.
0: Anyway, my point is that, like, you can be disappointed in this movie if you want, but you can't be disappointed in Sigourney Weaver's performance.
1: Yes, I I like the part the part where I know it's a total cheat, but where she goes up to that stupid uh, piece of pipe that looks like an alien and is you know basically says like all I can remember is you, you've been in my life so long, and I thought that was an it's interesting great. yeah that's a great place to take Ripley is that you know she just can't get rid of this thing and like it's just her and the, it's like her most constant relationship in her life is this alien and and I feel like again cool ideas explore it even more, you know? Like, let's see. I know Sigourney wanted to, like, have Ripley have sex with an alien, too. And it's just like, you know, if you're going to go for it... They kind of did that in Resurrection. They did that in Resurrection. I, I know. They. I feel like... I'm going to go off on a little tangent here. This series is very much like the Terminator series, where first two are great. They all kind of, like, do one thing, and then the the, the sequel amps it up to 10 or 11 or whatever. And then there's a whole bunch of little good ideas for the next 5 sequels. And I think if you just compressed somehow you took Terminator 3, 4, 5 and 6 and then just compressed them all into one movie and used all the best ideas, it would have made a great, you know, final third. I think maybe in Aliens the same thing, you know, if you had just taken all the good ideas from Alien Prometheus and Covenant and just shove them into like one final movie, maybe we could have had something great.
0: I think that's a fair thing to say, but I also think that it's really hard to see that when you're coming out of trying to follow up aliens and you've got to make a third movie.
1: Of course. Easy for us to say. Yes. Yes.
0: You know, in hindsight, you can now look at all the things people have tried and been like, Hey, if you cherry picked these ideas, you could probably amalgam them into one kick-ass movie. Right. Agreed. But that's a hindsight sort of thing that only happened because all these other people got to try other versions of sequels to these things. Hell, there's probably some good ideas in alien versus predator somewhere. Maybe
2: not. (laughs) The first one, it's her job as a ship cap, you know, whatever. Lieutenant. Lieutenant, right. And then in the second one, you layer on dealing with the corporation with, you know, all this mil- military bravado around her. And then in the third one, it's, you know, all-male prison and also having to deal with all these people. It's about self-sacrifice
0: and her realizing, like, the only way out of this is to basically to, you know end her life i mean that's kind of what i see the movie being about it's like a christ story kind of oh no
2: it it, that 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 ending definitely gives those vibes come on
0: a little heavy-handedly at the end but i mean there is you know the religious thing going on in the background is all building up to this martyrdom sort of concept
2: absolutely going back to the 2003 cut versus the the 92 they bring in the cow to this sort of um, slaughterhouse room. Yep. And it's covered in those, those nasty freaking fly bugs or whatever. Every time I see them, I'm just like... The lice, right? Like, Is that what lice actually looks like? Cause... No. They're supposed to be like space
0: lice or whatever. They've got some crazy lice in this planet.
2: I don't even know if this was a great scene. I just found it funny that the guy like picks up a face hugger and he's like, oh, what the hell is this? And they, like, pressed It's Yeah, like, what? yeah. Oh, all right,
1: whatever. Like, this looks like it's so dangerous right. and, like, not of this earth, but, I mean. Uh. So in
0: both versions, this scene that we're talking about is going on while they're having the burial, quote, unquote, of Newt and Hicks. They've wrapped up their bodies and they're dropped it into this big central furnace that the, uh, the installation has that is going to play into the climax where they boil lead or something like that. But while this is going on, the uh, Dylan character played by Charles Dutton is giving this sort of sermon because he's sort of the religious figurehead of this group. And in both versions, we are seeing the birth of the alien and he's giving this sort of death and rebirth speech, which is a little heavy handed considering the visuals, but I think it works. I know Chris is not going to think it works. No. I think it's kind of clever because, you know, he's talking about life and death and we're seeing both. Death and life at the same time. In the uh, original theatrical, it's a dog that's been infected, a Rottweiler, and and we get the little alien bursting out of that. In the uh, 2003 cut, as Steve said, it's an ox. Honestly, I don't mind either version. I like the ox version because it makes more sense to me, considering that's what they have on the planet. It doesn't make sense to me that they would give these prisoners a dog. That seems like a bad idea, especially a Rottweiler. So I'm pro-ox. Steve, are you pro-ox or pro-dog?
2: I mean, I was on the dog side for years up until I saw this cut. The ox makes sense, but I do really love the just the panting and the dog just being like listless and be like, you know, ill. And then it finally just drops on its side and bursts open. The thing I really like about the 2003 cut is you see that dog burster or, you know, oxen burster, like actually walk away. And it's sort of this like wet flesh thing. It reminded me of the first one, the original burster. You get to see it in all its glory. I um, mean you don't don't really get that in the nineteen ninety two cut
1: I'm an ox guy um I don't think the they called it the the Bambi alien because it's got these really short legs that come comes out of the dog,
0: yeah, it looks kind of like a deer, right.
1: I think Fincher thought like oh a little let's make the alien like a little cute thing instead, and it'll be weird dichotomy and you know for this whole concept of you know oh, it comes out of a it takes on characteristics, it doesn't really make a difference as far as you know what its capabilities are like the alien is always deadly you know you're not it's like oh this one's faster or smaller or it's like the alien could always squeeze through wherever and then get you wherever like they don't make any You know, oh, I guess it could go on the ceiling, but like we've seen it crawl on the ceiling before in in aliens, so they don't really go anywhere with it, which is like part of my problem. It can run super fast, okay? It can
0: run faster than the other versions. all right? I guess,
1: but like, do we are we clocking that? It's always been fast to me. It's just kind of like, all right, they're gonna make it look different, which is interesting, but it's also inconsistent. And like in both cuts, you're like, oh, that looks like a full grown man alien, oh, now it's like it looks tiny here, and now it looks big again, and so. So it's inconsistent. Well,
0: let's talk about the special effects then because what you're talking about is a limitation of the special effects. Basically, they wanted to make a creature that could uh, move around like an animal. But because we had not entered into the age of full CGI being to pull this kind of thing off, they had to sort of go in between two techniques – one technique was a regular guy in a suit. It was like this Alex Woodruff or Tom Woodruff and Alec somebody. They're creature suit guys. I think they're still working in the business. And um, so, you know, when you see the alien close up, it's basically just a guy in a suit the same way they did the first movie. They tried to get him to sort of uh, like, you know, move differently and crouch differently. but It doesn't really track Visually in the movie, it just looks like a guy in a suit. That element of it is a little disappointing. However, when you see the guy in the suit, it's some pretty good shit. Yes. It's like good creature suit work. It's scary. They've gotten it down better than they were able to do in the original alien. You see more movement from the, the suit and everything. So it at least looks good. Now, when you see the long shots where we're seeing the creature move... As it's supposed to move. Because CG wasn't where it needed to be. We have a rod puppet. Which was like a miniature rod puppet. And the idea was to have it run around uh, on a green screen. And then they were going to composite it into the scenes. Which all in theory sounds good. And I feel like when you actually see the creature moving. It looks good. The problem is. The compositing is bad and I don't know who's responsible for that or whatever or if it was just the technology wasn't there I remember at the time people reacting to it night and, and when I first saw the movie I was like oh those special effects are, are rough yeah and people at the time thought it was CG most people were like oh that CG was bad it's not CG there's only one shot of CG in the whole movie yeah. and that is later when the aliens head cracks so it's unfortunate because the Rod Puppet special effects do not look good. They look composited wrong. The, the shading is wrong. You can always tell when it is. The idea is good and sure. the movements are good. It's just marred by the fact that someone somewhere didn't pull it off right with the compositing or they didn't get the lighting right or something.
2: No, yeah, it's the it's the lighting that makes it not fit the scene. Um, I definitely noticed it more this time around. The animation when it's running like a like a four legged creature is just so
1: good though. Yeah, like it could have been good. But there's like an inch thick matte black line around the composite of every single alien. Well, I don't like, complain about like um
2: the squares around the shit the TIE fighters in Star Wars. Oh,
1: I used to, but <laughs> you know, there's Jaws where like less of the creature you see, the better. I think both James Cameron and Ridley Scott knew this and they didn't, if they, if a shot like that were to come out, they'd be like, well, we're cutting that. We're not going to use that. And this to me again shows that Fincher, you know, took off before the final edit. If you look at, all right, so in aliens and there's, there's spaceship shots that are composited. They never once used any of those techniques for the alien. It's always a yeah. practical effect for the alien. There's no way you're going to be scared over something that's that's obviously fake. Like, you can kind of get away with spaceships. You're like, well, I don't really know what a spaceship flying through space looks like. Because I've never been there. But, like, you will never be scared by the alien if it's a go motion or stop motion rod puppet. It's just not going to work. And I think that's a big mistake that whoever was making the movie maybe they thought it would look better but i feel like if fincher had his druthers he would be like fuck all that cut it all out you know i know you want to show more of it because like you said sebastian the, the practical the when he when you see him through ducks and he's real it's sick it's fucking scary and it looks a little bit different you know there's more detail to him and and it's good but oh man those visual effects shots
0: Horrible. I wish somebody would come in and do a Lucas and redo it. Yeah. Like it's the one movie where I was, I'd be like, please fix this. <laughs> like somebody take this and just redo it with CG because if it had been like five years later, they would have been able to nail this. I mean, you, you look at alien resurrection, you know, some of the aliens in that it's, it's pretty early in CG, but they're CG aliens in that. But I don't know. They look pretty good. All things considered. And if they had had something like that for this and just a few shots so you could see, like, holy shit, this thing, like, runs on the ceiling like an animal. And, like, it charges through the the, the hallway, like, and it's running on all fours. Just a few choice shots where you could see how it moves. Right. Yeah, I agree with you that, yeah, you don't want that going on all the time because it wouldn't be scary. Save it for a few key moments just so you know what you're dealing with here is a little bit different than what
2: you were dealing with before. Yeah, and while they're at it, fix the opening credits. Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) Well,
1: let me ask you this. What's more iconic, the little Bambi alien or the Queen alien? The queen alien, obviously. James Cameron took, like, a cool concept, and if you watch the behind-the-scenes making of that, you could, he did this whole test where he had three guys, like, holding this, like, janky queen alien just to make sure it would work in a practical manner. And you're like, wow, that's super imposing. That's, like, so impressive. And where it's like, all right, they've got an alien with little teeny tiny bambi legs that runs around and
0: it's definitely not umping the ante from the queen alien for sure exactly but
1: i mean what are you gonna do like
0: you you can't do that again so you have to move it into a different direction
1: that's why rennie harlan stepped down and was like i'm not doing it (laughs) if the argument
0: is that you just shouldn't make another alien movie that's an argument you can make sure but i don't want to live in a world where they don't make more alien movies.
1: I feel like there's the prequel territory, which is fertile ground in that sense. And there's also, but when you're also in this trilogy lane, you're basically have these expectations set up, you know? I mean, if this were like, like a rogue one, like a, uh, an alien side story, I'd be more accept You know, you're like, okay, they're going to do something different. You know, like I feel like the one, two punch of alien and aliens, you're in this lane, you know, and everyone kind of expects you to go to certain Place and deliver a certain amount of goods you know it's inevitable inevitably gonna disappoint some people and and not saying that you shouldn't do it but maybe you should you know may not have it be based on Ripley maybe it could be like oh somebody else landed on LV-426 or an egg you know got on a different ship whatever or the Sulaco crash landed on another place there's a, a, a bunch of different ways to go you
2: could make someone care about a new character but you're not gonna make a third movie and just switch it up.
1: Here's all right, so what I'm basically saying is, you know, you spend all this time writing the sequel, Alien Three. One of the things you gotta nail down is what's the next Alien? They should have had Giger in there from the beginning, been like, All right, what can we do next? He was you know, there. like, I know he they brought him in, but like did he I think he only consulted maybe on some of the like ideas or no, he had like a gazillion ideas that they had to like whittle down to whatever it was. But like, who knows? I mean, maybe they should have picked one of his other like out there ideas that could have been twice as scary. Who knows?
2: So it's hard to top the, the genius of the, the alien queen, you know, seeing that and being like, and relating it to like a ant bee colony type situation. Right. Str- fucking stroke a genius. The design no like, man you got the alien king the the headdress <laughs> with like the the alien and like high heels yeah, like it's freaking awesome. incredible but I do still like the dog alien I I really do
0: I love the dog alien in concept. I just wish the special effects were good. I would be okay with sort of stepping to the side with the alien design and doing something different that doesn't quite live up to the grandeur of the alien queen. I think unfortunately it's the special effects that kind of get in the way. So Ripley shaves her head, which is an awesome look. Um, I think it's amazing. We've got a a cool scene where she goes into the mess hall and all the guys are like, oh, because, you know, they haven't seen a woman in forever. And she goes right up to Dylan and like puts her tray down. And he's like, I'm a murderer, a rapist, and I'm a raper of women and stuff. And she's like, well, I must make you really nervous then. So great. Such a great Ripley moment. Love it.
1: That is classic Ripley.
0: We get also this sort of uh, relationship she's having with Clements. this romance. This works for me. Yeah. Especially more in the 2003 version because we get more time with Clements. You actually kind of get to like him more. And I just really dig their chemistry. Yeah. I think um, Charles Dance and Sigourney Weaver have great chemistry. I think she looks great with a shaved head. Absolutely. Like She looks
1: gorgeous. Not everyone can pull that off, yeah, but she can. Yeah.
2: She's had such a just a fucking lousy time that you, you want her to have these small moments, even if it's just like sort of this fling. I mean, she has no idea what's going to happen. It makes her h- human as opposed to this like, Sci-fi superhero, which she also is.
0: It gives her this one moment of relief before everything just completely goes to hell. Right. So, yeah, what happens next is the guy Murphy from Batman gets killed in the fan vent. Pretty gory. This movie kind of ups the gore, like when he gets knocked into the fan vent by the alien.
1: Oh, by the way, I this is an element that I didn't know until I watched the special features, but apparently that alien spits acid at him which is a new uh, yeah a, a new power that we haven't seen before where it can actually like spit acid not just bleed acid was that
2: the case because i thought it was just um second mouthed like at him and he was like gashed then he, that's why he fell back
1: right that's what i thought at first but then in watching the special features they're all just like this is the alien that spits at acid and blah 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 and i think rewatching the the 2003 edition it's pretty clear that it Spits something at him and then he flips out.
2: No, that scene's great where he's like looking into the vent like
1: shafts. Yeah, it looks so scary.
2: It's just rolled up there in like a ball. Like, yeah, it looks great there. And any scene where someone gets thrown through a giant fan, like a jet engine, I'm just like, you want the blood spray, and they deliver. I
0: feel like every scene we get where the inmates encounter the alien are pretty well done. They do a pretty good job of popping out somewhere and getting them. I think Fincher knows how to direct a horror scene effectively. I kind of wish he did more horror because I think he's pretty good at okay, it. No, totally from a visual standpoint.
1: Other than Seven, I'm trying to think of what other horror is. Which he done? isn't
0: really a horror
1: movie. No, has he done any horror?
0: No, he's never done like a straight horror movie. Okay.
2: There's a scene before Ripley comes into the cafeteria where Dylan, um, Charles S. Dutton's character is sort of breaking up an argument between three of the prisoners, two of which don't want to work with Gallic because he's such a
0: freaking weirdo, I guess. So yeah, the thing with this Gallic character that's expanded on in the 2003 version is he's working with these two other guys. They're, They're like clearing out like a tunnel or whatever and they don't want to work with him cuz he's crazy but they go to the tunnel and of course the alien is there and it's cool cuz the tunnel's got all these candles set along it and then the guys two of the guys gets killed there's this like black dude with like a crucifix tattooed on his face and this other guy in a
2: hat um rains and bogs i
0: believe rains and bogs and they get totally killed by the alien one of them gets like sucked up into a vent or something and like Golic gets like splattered with blood to completely covered with blood. But like Golic is in the prison cause he's a murderer. So when he comes back to the med lab, everyone's like, well, Golic just killed them because he's a murderer. And he's like, no, no, there's a, you know, in, in the 2003, he clearly talks about there being a dragon which is a sort of holdover from the Vincent Ward draft, kind of like the same idea. One of the prisoners believes it's a devil.
1: A lot more medieval.
0: And so this ends up coming into play later when they actually manage to trap the alien, which doesn't happen in the theatrical.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, in the extended version, they go through this. They go through this whole thing where they're gonna burn the alien out of the vents that it's in by laying down this chemical. And then um, one of the prisoners gets attacked by the alien. He drops his little, like, stick, igniting stick or whatever. It blows up. I think it's a blasting cap. And it blows up, and basically every the whole area gets torched because it's all been laid down with this toxic waste <laughs> flammable stuff. And the idea is they're going to chase the alien into this toxic waste room and keep it in there because there's no way to get out. In the... Theatrical, everything just goes to hell and they don't get the alien. You, they just leave it that they didn't capture the alien. And they even like go walking by Golic's corpse and they redo the dialogue. So they're like, oh, there's another dead one here. But if you watch the 2003 version, that's Gallic because what has happened is... Gallic believes that the alien is a dragon or a devil or whatever sent you know from God. They are successful in capturing the alien in this ruse because Holt McCallany who i guess feels guilty cuz he had tried to rape Ripley earlier.
1: Yes. He's not the space monkey from Fight Club, right? Is that or the Mindhunter? Remember there's like one of those guys? That's him, yeah. right? Yeah, I love him.
0: Yeah, he's great. He's got the the in this he's got like a, a teardrop tattoo on his face.
1: And and he he puts on goggles to do his raping. I, I noticed.
0: Right, right. That's a, that's from the trailer. Very Riddick-like
2: goggles. He like when he's about
0: to pull the rape.
1: Yes. <laughs>
2: He has a change of heart because I think Ripley, when all the explosions are happening, helps um, one of the prisoners who also, I think, tried to rape her um, when she was retrieving Bishop, which is right before this. Yeah. He sees that she helped them anyway. Uh, like Later on in the movie, the guy that you saved looks like Dengar with like white bandages all over his face. Right, yeah. But um, yeah, yeah um, <laughs> Junior, um, he sacrifices himself to lead the dragon into the storage facility. It's so much
0: better in the extended. I know it is kind of a weird, slightly redundant plot point because it feels like they have two sequences in which they need to drive the alien out and get it into some kind of room. Right. Which I, f- I feel, it does feel a little bit repetitive.
1: Well, it's also just like the first one, so... Right.
0: But it's kind of like that's what you're stuck with when you've got sure. like an alien. You've got to drive it out and to get it into somewhere.
1: Right. I... Like this sequence of events, I mean, this in the 2003 cut where they trap it and then Golic does his thing, this is what kind of like the the whole religion thing pays off, you know? Because you're like, oh, this guy worships this or believes that it's the devil. And then, you know, I don't even, they don't really explain it that well. I feel like, you know, like the the religion is kind of just amorphously Judeo-Christian and... I don't know, maybe me, because I'm, you know, I was raised and went to, like, you know, a Jesuit school that, like, anytime Dylan starts preaching, I, I just glaze over and I'm just like, oh, here, uh, whatever, you know, here comes this preaching bullshit.
0: Yeah, but he's the right character to do it. Like, Charles S. Dutton's the guy.
1: Sure, no, 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 his acting is great. He's He's delivering the goods by delivering the script, but I feel like... The script, again, just doesn't really do anything that interesting with this religion that they've got. It's like, oh, they're religious guys, but like, all right, so what specifically do they believe? Was there a prophecy that this alien would come and do this or that? And, like, there's so many more things that, like, these prisoners who have now found God, like, it's such a dichotomy, like, all right, let's explore that. And they don't, you know, like, these guys should be, like, doing all sorts of weird things, jerking off in confessionals, like, who knows? Like, just, you know, like, come up with all these weird, sick ideas and... This is one of them. All right, they capture it. This guy believes that it's an angel or a devil or something like that, and he releases it. Great, like super weird and super unexpected cut out of the theatrical.
0: I think it's a mistake to cut it out of the theatrical. And I agree with you. They could have done more with it. They do way more with it in the Vincent Ward draft. Like Ooh, The Vincent yeah. Ward version gives you that version because it's all about the religion.
1: Right, that's what he was all about, right? Yeah.
2: I think for, for Garlic though... It doesn't need to be freaking alien prophecy. I hate that kind of writing. It's just a freaking bullshit.
1: Sure. That was just an off-the-cuff example.
2: Right. But his co-workers, the two guys, got killed in the candle hallway with him. And then he sees freaking Clemens bite it, and he survived. Um, so he sees some crazy shit. But yeah, he goes just to see it again, just to have the sort of religious crazy experience. I think he's kind
0: of an important character. He's that character you need, the guy that's going to go crazy, the guy that's like in this way too right. far.
2: Right. He's the guy in the abyss that gets like the deep sickness and goes crazy and starts killing everyone. No, absolutely.
1: That scene is you know, I feel like they did a good job in that sense that, you know, that money shot of of the alien coming up to to Ripley and you're like, "Oh my god, how is she going to get out of this?" and then it just goes away. But then they do explain that she is impregnated with a queen and it totally makes sense. So, like, I I thought that was a clever way of having that moment and being like, how is she going to get out of it? And then it does make sense why the alien would just ignore her. And, And again, they also didn't do enough with, like... Ripley's sort of newfound immunity. Maybe she could have, you know... She does.
2: Like, she does do stuff.
1: I know she could push it, but, uh, you know, she could actually befriend... I don't know. I feel like there's more that could have been done even even with that, but no.
0: She does a... F- I think she. it's fine. She does a few things. She they, There's that scene, then she goes after it in, the, you know, the basement boiler right. area or whatever, that scene you were talking about where she hits that pipe with the pole. And then, in the end it gets into like a corner and they need to get it out of a corner when they're trying to get it into the furnace. And she just goes right up to it and is like basically like pulling it out by hand. So,
1: yeah, well that would have been cool too. Yeah. I mean, and if I was a prisoner, I would be like strap myself like a backpack to Ripley. I would have just been like, don't kill me. She's right here. And they should all just line up behind her. And well,
2: we see how that goes. I mean, she's pulling it by its tail (laughs) at the end there. The Clemens scene, it's sort of the end of his arc, like he explains why he's in prison to her finally. That's a great scene. Which is great. And then and then you're like you're having this moment and then you see behind the the shower curtain that this uh the alien's coming. I love the way that
0: whole sequence is shot too because it's so well edited. Because you're getting like reaction shots from Golic, who's covered with blood, like because he sees what's going on. You're getting these like shots through like tubes and stuff, like of the medical equipment. You're just seeing the reflections of the alien. You're seeing it come down in like the curtain behind Clemens. And Clemens is just kind of shot her up with some kind of drugs, like some kind of cocktail. My one complaint about it is I always wished we saw like her being fucked up by whatever he just gave her oh
2: yeah like tripping balls seeing the alien yeah yeah, yeah. Because he's like, I'm. this is my special cocktail right, right.
0: or whatever. I'm like, oh, what's Clemens' special cocktail? Because in his backstory, right. we find out he was like into morphine. And then he like his first residency, he went out and got drunk. And then he got called back in and ended up giving like a bunch of people who had suffered from like a burns or whatever, like too much sedative. And so they died and he killed like seven people. Eleven out of 30. Yeah, out of 30. Yikes.
1: But he he had given the cocktail to her like in that very first scene already because she was like, she's like, stop this. What's this? My special cocktail. Anyway,
0: it's just my, my little nitpick. I wanted to know what the cocktail did to her, but we don't really see that. Right.
2: I mean, that would have been cool. I do like how the alien pulls up Clemens by the head and sort of gives him like death's kiss, like right in the forehead. There's a lot of the
0: alien getting people in the head with its retractable jaws. Like that only happens once in Alien. It happens to Parker. He gets that treatment. And in this movie, like two or three people get that. They get the head, the head puncture. It
2: looks so, I mean, it's just like a quick second of Clemens' head. Doesn't Brett get it
0: too? Yeah, I think he does, but you don't really see it.
1: It might be faster, but like, yeah. As far as Clemens' death, like I think it is, a. I know it's a hopeless movie and this is probably gets you off, Sebastian, that everyone dies and everything, but um, I really miss his presence, you know, and I feel like they, they had such a good chemistry and they'd already established them working well together, I almost feel like he should have had the same, the arc of um of Dylan, you know, he should have sacrificed himself at the end and just, like, if you could either, like, combine the two characters or yeah. just give him the, you know, the same ending, like, where he sacrifices himself for... Ripley, it would have been great, you know, and um, it's just a wasted opportunity. I
0: partially agree with you. I feel that the longer cut mitigates this a little bit because you get more with Clemens. So you feel more settled in with him. So then when he's taken away, it's kind of a like it's a big rug pull. You're like, whoa. Right. Um, And then, you know, the thing with Dylan is more that he is an antagonistic force against her but then is turned into an ally
1: he's a total softy you know from the beginning that he's a softy he's gonna do the right thing even when he's like i tolerate everybody but i'm a rapist and then so and then as soon as he's like rescuing her he's like you okay it's not it's not that he's just beating up his brothers he's concerned for her like you know he's the fucking good guy.
0: There's no way. That- I love, though, when he saves her from being raped, and he's like, I got to re-educate some of the brothers. Great line. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. great delivery. It's great. I, I see why they did it. I see the, why they made the choice. It's not like a choice where I'm like, why did they make that choice to then make it this character? But I do agree with you. Like, I could see another version of this movie where Clemens is that character and makes it to the end. But it's not like a make or break thing. I do miss him. I'm not so sadistic yeah. that I'm like, especially now, too, after really coming to love Charles Dance as an actor, especially after Game of Thrones. Yeah. I, You know, to see him in such a sympathetic role, he's such a sympathetic character here. I am saddened when he dies.
1: So this is a prison planet. There's no cells, no... Weapons, no handcuffs, no nothing. They're on the honor system? Is that what we're to believe here?
0: Yeah, that means, like, they have axes and shit, but it's like, if you need an axe to do something, you can do it, even though you could kill someone with it.
1: There's no no shield between, you know, Charles Dance, 85, and the warden, like, they just... Nope. Even though there's 25 people here, they just they don't overrun and kill the warden. Well, and
0: everybody there is now there voluntarily because they say they came to shut down the prison at one point, but a bunch of the prisoners didn't want to go back, and so they stayed, including Clemens because he feels so shitty. He's, like, stayed there intentionally. Everyone there is there because they choose to be. They don't all have to be there anymore.
1: Right. Does that mean they could go back to another prison, or you mean that they were freed, though?
0: They could get off this planet, and you know, they may still be incarcerated somewhere else, but they've been just left alone because nobody wants to deal with this installation. So they're like, if you want to stay here, you can stay.
1: Right, but then why does the warden in 85 stay there? I mean, I know they said, oh, two watchers or whatever.
0: Because somebody has to be in charge.
1: Uh, I don't know. It just seems, it seems a little strange to me. It's like, it's like they're in a prison, but there's no... There's no actual prisons where like I guess the whole thing is a giant prison but it's just Yeah, you can't leave. Except for a, every 6 weeks there's a there's a shuttle or something that they could just over overrun and murder like
0: Right, I, but the but the people who come with the shuttles have guns. I know, but you'd think If you try to rush the shuttle with an axe, you're going to get blown
1: away. You'd think they would be, for the next six weeks, let's think of another plan to get off this piece of shit, you know? And like, I I don't know, I'm nitpicking, I'm nitpicking. They don't want
0: to get off is the point. They all feel they belong there. They don't want to leave.
1: Okay, they all found religion and this is where they think they belong. Yeah. Found religion at the ass end of the universe, right. our
2: galaxy. That's right, right, okay.
0: I get what you're saying, but the movie makes it clear they're there just because they want, they feel that they should be, and they found their religion, and they just don't want to leave.
1: Right. Again, I just feel like these are, these are all the themes that are just getting sort of watered down and diluted. You know, I'm sure it was strong in the Vincent Ward cut, and then just here they're like, all right, it's a prison planet, but everyone's just walking around. Uh, you know it's just, it seems like you know another example of how this this movie's been sort of watered down and built by committee
2: i mean do you want to develop a very complex reasoning for why they're here i mean that seems to take away from any that's like talking about trade federation trading routes and stuff it's like
0: <laughs> uh, that's always the best argument for anybody who wants like more backstory <laughs> it's federation. like just bring out the trade federation and you win like what you want to talk exactly. about tax exactly. roots exactly. like yeah, yeah it's like the, always the best <laughs> example it's like the ace card for talking about like yeah. bullshit sci-fi shit
1: once dune comes out and they maybe they get trade federation shit right you'll be like that can be your example, and you'd be like, well, if they do it like Dune did it? Yes, I want that, you know? Right now, we're stuck with fucking Phantom <laughs> Menace, so, you know, there's nobody else that's really done it, you know, so... It remains to be seen. So,
0: yeah, the big thing that happens is that Ripley realizes that there's an alien in her because she hasn't been feeling well, and she and 85, who was nicknamed 85 by the other prisoners because his they took a look at his IQ score and he was uh, 85. This is explained by the great actor Peter Postlethwaite, who doesn't really have yeah, much of awesome. a role in this movie, but his little bits that he gets to do are Im- impactful because a, he's got one of the best faces that anybody ever put on a camera, and b, he's a great actor, but his character doesn't do much. He just ends up getting his head smashed in at some point by the alien, I believe. Right.
1: And he looks great bald and he's like he's a distinct look too like he stands out among all the other casts so they
0: should have probably given him one of the other roles and it would have been because his face is so distinctive you would have known that he was a a character you needed to pay attention to so um, Ripley learns she's got this alien in her we already talked about the scene where she goes to confront it in like the boiler roomy basement type of situation it doesn't kill her there so she goes to Dylan to kill her because she figures he will because he's been talking like he'd he'll kill her but he takes the axe and he you think he's gonna hit her with it but he doesn't he swings it nearby her head and is like you can die like when I say you can die or whatever
1: you knew he wasn't gonna do it come on there's no drama there It's Sigourney they're all great actors they're giving it their best but you know there's no drama here you're just like okay yeah He's going to shoot the shotgun to the side and then be like, I'm going to kill you later after we kill this thing. And, like, uh, you know, it's, it's cliched, hand handed, you know, writing again done by great actors.
2: I mean, it's kind of sudden because after she goes in the basement, she just comes up and says, like, yeah, I tried to get it to kill me or whatever. Nothing like I couldn't even get near it because it didn't want to hurt the her child the
0: queen that's gestating yes. within her it's an alien queen which is why it won't kill her
2: okay so going back to the ev um neuroscan just when they're doing the x-ray i just love everything about the scanner thing and the the image and when it resolved you actually see the um the queen's mouth yeah and that is That embryo design from the poster, you don't really see the head, which makes you know it's a queen, but um, I just love that circular image of the... The
0: baby queen. Sort of curled it upside down in her when you finally you finally see it in
2: the scanner. Right. It's in the fetal position, basically. Yeah. What do you guys think of
1: the resurrection of Bishop? The puppet looks great. I thought they did a really good job with that puppet, and it was good to see him one, one last time, you know?
0: Yeah, and I think that Lance Henriksen, who is going to come back in a l- role later, does a good job in his voiceover work. What I find so disturbing about that scene, because Bishop at that point basically explains that The company knew about the thing being on the Sulaco and blah, blah, blah. It's basically just setting up again. The company's going to find out and they're going to come and it's bad. And so at the end, he's like disconnect me because I'm never going to be able to, you know, they'll try to rebuild me, but I'm never going to be top of the line anymore. And so she disconnects him. And when she disconnects him, he makes this like, he does like a death breath. That's so disturbing. But yeah, it's a good scene. And he's all covered in that, like milky goo that the androids have inside them. It's it's good. It's great. It's creepy. It's eerie. And when she's doing that, she's in the junk pile area of their complex or whatever and it's really gothic and creepy and there's kind of like lightning storm going on or something at that moment so it really gives you like a sci-fi gothic scary kind of setting
1: Would you have enjoyed if instead of the alien coming out of a dog or an ox just halfway through the movie Sigourney dies and the queen just comes out of her chest and then the rest of the movie is just the rest of the prison just trying to figure out what the hell to do
0: That's a good question. I've never really considered that. I don't know. I mean, it could have been good. I mean, if I here's what I'd
1: say Pretty surprising If You're
0: you like... did that, you definitely don't kill Charles Dance because then he's got to be the hero. Yeah. And then you make it right. about Charles Dance like redeeming himself, you know what I mean, somehow. Yeah. I mean, I don't know exactly what that story is, but yeah, that could have been cool.
2: No, no, the the alien, at least this original trilogy, it's all about a woman being super competent. That's
1: true. Among shitty men, yeah.
2: You don't switch it to a male character. That's not definitely not what this It's about a woman being super competent against a giant penis
0: monster.
1: Yeah, right. It's true.
2: (laughs) And the military-industrial complex. But, you know, I love how she has to hotwire Bishop to connect to the black box recorder. Mm -hmm. um, And, like, sticking the long needles in his ear and hooking stuff up because she has that engineering capability. Very cool. For sure.
0: The next big thing that happens is that Ripley and Dylan have to rally the troops together because the only way they're going to be able to kill this thing is if they all work together and if the inmates agree to basically put themselves out there as bait to get the alien to chase them into the tunnel so they can get it into this massive lead furnace. I will side with Chris a little bit here that this furnace it's established in the movie but it does seem to kind of just exist to have some place to have the climax because it's like why do they have a lead smelting furnace <laughs> but whatever i'm i'm fine with it
1: and it's a lot like T2 yes. in the making of they were said When they were making it, they were like, hey, guys, uh, T2 just did this. And they're all like, uh...
0: Oh, and the fact that it's Cameron doing it?
1: it And it's James Cameron, exactly. And I'm like, this is the beginning of of the series cannibalizing itself. Or, you know, I mean, it's a different series, but, you know, the look and feel of of director's other work. And you're just like, "Mm, they could have come up with something else. I
0: don't know if this is true, but on Wikipedia, they say that Charles Dance claims that there was a whole nother ending shot... they th- heard of Terminator 2 coming out. I mean, it was, right. it was right around the time it was coming out, probably, when they were going to film this climax. And he claims they shot another ending because they were like, we can't have it be the same ending. But then they were like, nah, fuck it. The lead furnace is the way to go. And so they just went
1: with it. They said that there was an ending where Sigourney lived because they were like, we got to have her live for something else. And then, and then Sigourney was like, no, fuck that. This is the end of a trilogy. I'm not coming back. You have to kill me. And then so that ending was scrapped and she came in to refilm this ending. And then they have this whole thing in the making of where the uh, makeup guy had to create a bald cap for her. Because right. in her contract, it said she gets an extra $40,000 if she has to reshave her head for yep. reshoots. And they're like, well, it's cheaper to make an awesome bald cap. So this poor guy was like putting in tiny little hairs into the Sigourney Weaver's bald cap. And he, apparently he said he had to do it like two or three times because then they would have a Annie Lebowitz uh, you know yeah. promotional like picture shoot and he was like no I won't do it and they'll be like money is no object we'll pay you everything so like in the end they probably spent 40 grand right. anyway and it's just crazy hollywood
0: Oh hollywood So what we get is they rally the the inmates to use themselves
1: as bait And his great speech where he's like, you a pussy or do you want to not be a pussy? We're gonna kill that thing and we're gonna kill it some more and then that's when the real killing starts and you're like, oh god.
0: He's like, do you want to die? You're gonna die anyway. So On your knees,
1: yeah.
0: It's fine. You gotta have a rallying speech. What is kind of a little clunky is during that, right before that Ripley says her piece and she's like the company's gonna come here and they want to take that thing and, and use it as a weapon or whatever and they'll let you You all die. They think we're crud. (laughs) She says crud. I'm like, just say shit. Don't say crud. Yeah. I mean, she falls out with like, like they don't give a fuck. It's a weird use of the word crud. Agreed. But yeah, so we get into this big climax where all of the inmates are basically putting themselves out there to be chased through tunnels by the alien and you know they're locking off doorways so you know each juncture they're moving it closer and closer to this furnace where they're gonna pour hot lead on it this I remember was sort of sold as the big kind of innovation at the time is that Fincher was doing this alien POV stuff with the camera and you know, he's shooting with some sort of different aspect ratio or something. So when we're seeing the alien vision, it's kind of like everything looks stretched out. And also we're getting camera movement like from on the ceiling
1: coming down and along the walls and stuff. That was the big innovation. Apparently they were yeah. doing the steady cam run through the hallways on a super wide lens, which made it look super cool, like, you know, the fisheye lens so that you get that distortion on the edges. Yeah. But apparently like the... The Steadicam guy did it, and then as he was resetting, he flipped it over just because sometimes it's easier to twist, you know, the camera or something like that. And the uh-huh. DP saw it and went. <gasps> Can you do that when when we're running and then the then the Steadicam guy's like sure I can do it and so they totally did this like you know twisting of the Steadicam which I don't think had they didn't have that pivot before this so that was the new thing where it's like right. you're running down this place using that lens and then the whole image flips so it's as if it's on the ceiling on the side and then on the ground and I remember that being like. Mind blowing in the theater. Everyone there's gasps and people are like, Whoa,
0: "Oh my god!" I think that's kind of the moment where I feel that you understand that David Fincher is a guy who's a real filmmaker who's going to go on to big things. I mean, I think the yep. whole movie looks great. Yeah, it's it's a real innovation. In filmmaking it's daring it's exciting that's where you're like yeah this guy's the real deal and at the same time you're getting a lot of the characters being killed off with different bloody violent deaths from the alien there's more energy here than in the rest of the movie we're almost getting back to Cameron levels not quite I'm not gonna say it's as intense as aliens how dare you again I'm not saying this is better than Aliens.
1: We can still be friends, Sebastian.
0: Oh, this—we're gonna argue about this until we're like <laughs> on our deathbed. We'll still, we'll be in the nursing home, like. No, you need to appreciate Alien Three. Did you
1: get the new 8K of Alien Three out yet?
2: They finally
1: <laughs> redid the compositing, and it's incredible. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> that kind of camera move. Definitely influenced all the video games once they started going into the 3D realm. Yep. As far as that first-person POV view, view of the alien. The tensions amped up in that point, and then you've also learned that the scan actually got sent to Wayland yutani Yep. And they have, like, a two-hour window before they come, and you know that they want the queen, so, like, all this stuff is going on.
0: Yeah, you're getting a ticking time clock, basically, from that. We know they're coming, so that's putting, like, okay, we got to get this alien killed now.
2: Right, and you have really bad composited scenes with bad lighting of the the dog alien, but I just love it running around. It's just so cool. There's a bunch of YouTube people, like, special effects houses that do sort of amateur Repairs of random stuff using, you know, deep fake technology or whatever. Someone could do a nice pass over this entire movie.
1: I wonder, honestly, if you know, I mean, this is in a a poor spot where you know, see, like Jurassic Park came out in '93, right? So next like year, Next yeah. year, CG explodes and everything. And so it's in a tight spot where it's like, oh yeah, we've got all these old things that aren't, that are falling by the wayside, but I almost have a feeling like, you know, because Fincher left and like there was nobody there at post, like maybe these guys just weren't trying that hard either because they were yeah. like, fuck this movie, you know, the, the, the director's off, like who's who's even like approving these finals, you know, these might have been like the first pass and then Fox was like, fuck it, it's it's fine. Put it in the fucking yeah. movie and then and then somebody had to do it. And because these are bad for 1992. You know, these, yeah. this, it could have been way better, should have been way better. And it's it's a, a real shame. And I appreciate your pain here. It's it's nothing like my Newt Hicks scar, but um, it's pretty bad
0: now. Wayland arrives, and I want to approach this with some sensitivity to my co-host.
1: I know what you're going to say. I know exactly what you're going to
0: say. You're both Asian gentlemen, and there's kind of an offensive Asian character thrown in here. Am I wrong in feeling that way?
1: Maybe, but also this guy put Asian actors back 10 years because his delivery (laughs) is so fucking bad. I don't know if he's supposed to be an android, but he's like, is she... Still alive. It's cringeworthy. I remember seeing that in the theater and and like people bursting out laughing. I don't know because if it's an Asian stereotype or what, but yeah, they tried to make some kind of like futuristic Asian doctor scientist thing i i don't know what is it he's a
0: doctor i mean i think the idea is yeah. he's gonna like he's the surgeon yeah he's gonna surgically remove the creature from ripley right but yeah it seems i remember even at the time feeling like oh i don't know about this guy. So, you know it's like this good. seems a little insensitive even by 1992 insensitivity
2: standards when did Madonna's Rain come out. Oh, the director of Rain who's
1: like sitting there with his glasses and... Yeah, just
2: like when, you know, people became infatuated with um Japanese iconography and fashion cuz this was sort of like, oh, silver and transparent lucent raincoats and um Asians are the future, you know? So
1: Yeah, Blade Runner was doing that in 1982. You know, right. there's there's kanji all over that and and the theory was that you know LA would be taken over by asian cultures because everyone would right. immigrate or yeah japanese Wayland Utani yeah is japanese by
2: as a as a merger of a, a, a you know Wayland and Utani corporation
1: yes yes it says when you open up the uh, the dvd it says Tokyo London uh, San Francisco Sea of Tranquility which yeah. is the moon and then another planet or something like that so I guess the, all the the company started in Tokyo and then went somewhere else. But I, I wasn't offended other than the fact that it was just bad acting. Right,
2: right. Okay, yeah, totally with you there, Chris. I wasn't offended that wasn't like it was the Phantom Menace or anything. It was like, it's just what it was. I, I literally love yeah. the the soldiers and their sort
0: of uniform. Yeah, the guys in like, they look like they're in some kind of crazy cybernetic hazmat suits or right. something. Yeah. And like, they're cool. Yeah, it's cool. And we get this new version of Bishop that is the real Bishop. Now, this is confusing, not because of what this movie presents, but because of what Alien versus Predator retcons.
1: I was just going to bring that up. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Can you explain that? Yeah. So
2: we're meant to believe that this is the actual scientist that created the Bishop robot in Alien The human
0: being that is based on the Bishop design.
2: Right. So in Aliens versus Predator, um, which takes place in, you know, sort of our time period, this crew headed by Wayland, who is also played by Lance Hendrickson, makes a sort of expedition to go find the source of this right. heat signature in the Arctic or whatever um, that leads to like um, a sort of Mayan Incan pyramid. Where the predators came and released aliens to hunt as a sacrifice right. and they use you know Lenk Hendrickson plays Wayland, the originator yeah. of this Android. so you're like, there's no way that this alien three guy could be the real one when Aaron's or um 85 hits him with the
0: like a wrench it's a, a wrench
2: right a wrench um, he's bleeding and his
1: ears out like maybe he's definitely hate-
0: not an Android. There's yeah. blood, real blood coming
1: out of him. He could have been in cryo from the 20th century all the way up to this.
0: No, because he dies in Alien versus Predator. Oh, does he? I think Alien vs. Predator isn't canon, Cannon. and fuck right. that. Right. That's what I think. <laughs> I like Alien 3 a million times more
1: than yeah. Alien vs. Yeah. Predator. Yeah, I'll give Alien 3, though. So I
0: say fuck Alien versus Predator. So,
1: but he's not, there's never an issue, because, yeah, 85 says, you fucking an android, and then all of a sudden his ear is on his cheek. And right. there's red blood everywhere. Yeah, he's not
0: an android.
1: He's not an android, but he's impervious to pain. He shouldn't be like, oh my God, my ear is. On this. He's so obsessed
2: with getting the queen from Ripley. I, I, come on, man. That was a bad freaking cut. Like My read on it, at least what I think my headcanon was, is that they had advanced so far in the technology. That the a- the ro- androids just had red blood,
0: or he was cloned, or whatever. You could right. come up with all. If you want to make it fit into continuity with uh, Alien versus Predator, you can come up with things. Right, he's he might be a Nexus
1: Six, Nexus Six, you know. So right,
2: I mean, R- resurrection with um, Winona Ryder's character, but they're also doing massive cloning on you know whatever DNA samples they got of Ripley.
0: They do have clones, right, in the next movie. So clones is established.
1: Right. I mean. Yeah. So wait, uh, who is um, in Prometheus the guy that sets everything in motion? Uh, Pierce. Uh... I do believe that in Prometheus, his it's Peter
0: Wayland who is Guy Pierce. Right. So like basically, I think what we've discovered here is the whole Wayland thing becomes a weird continuity problem.
2: No, it's it's only a problem because AVP f- fucked up. I mean, because in right. Alien Three it's a familiar face. It's the creator, the scientist that made the Bishop Android, which isn't right. a Wayland at all, no, necessarily. Exactly. And I don't even think we're supposed to think that the, the Asian guy is Utani. He's just no. a corporate right. surgeon for the company.
1: Yes. So in Alien 3, they never say Wayland Utani is either of those guys.
2: I mean, I didn't look at the credits, but I don't think that's the case. No, he's just called Bishop 2 in the credits. Okay.
1: Yeah. Right, right. That's right, that's right.
2: When Aaron's and Ripley are discussing what to tell the company. Like, don't come. Everything's toxic. Yeah, and yeah. he's like, you know, fuck you. I want to get off this planet. I'm um, Go back to my wife and kids. You know, you don't even know are real. I feel Aaron's is um the officer, the, the commanding officer in Aliens. That, that's above Apone. Gorman. Gorman. Gorman and Aaron are sort of like not really the same, but they almost look the same. They look alike. They do look alike. And um, and Aaron's or eighty five is sort of like the corporate heel that's just going to follow the company line
1: to a degree. Uh, not really. He's yeah, he turns around eventually. No, though. he does. Yeah. He does when he hits some um, bishop too. Yeah. Right. Right. You know what? I I just realized this time around though is that. Dylan has a lot of Predator in him, too. You know, he almost acts like Dylan when they're setting up the trap for the aliens. Oh, yeah. And he kind of almost has the same cadence in his voice when he's like, you think this Boy Scout bullshit is really going to work? And I'm like, he's like saying it's the same scene as when he talks to Arnold, like Charles Dutton is doing the same thing to Ripley. And I was just like, huh. They kind of just ripped off that scene from Alien right there. And it was it was very, very You similar. mean from Predator. From Predator, sorry, yes.
2: Ah, oh, that just seems like a 80s, 90s bro confrontation.
0: Well, speaking of an 80s, 90s bro confrontation, we get this big lead furnace climax where they lure the alien into this sort of narrow corridor where they're going to dump all the lead, and Ripley is standing there, and and then Dylan's like, you know, start climbing up, and so Ripley starts climbing up the side of this thing, and then we see that the alien is just following her up, basically. And so Dylan realizes to keep the creature down in the bottom of this thing, he's got to stay and sacrifice himself which is, you know, going against his whole promise to kill her. He's down there and he's like, you got to make your own peace with God or whatever, lady. And then so, yeah, the alien attacks him and kills him. And Morse, who's up on the top of the smelting plant or whatever, pulls the lever on the lead works and the lead pours into this crucible, covering Dylan and the alien. And so we think the alien's dead, But then we get the old, it's not really dead, and it jumps out of the molten lead, and now it's, like, covered with lead, and so Morse is like, turn on the sprinkler, and Ripley's got to, like, jump across this high area and grab onto these chains and pull down this lever that releases all this water that then pours down on the lead-covered alien and it cracks, and that's when we get that one shot of CG where it cracks and then it explodes. And this is really, I feel like, the element that really, unfortunately, is similar to T2. Because don't they do the same exact thing <laughs> to the uh, T-1000? They like No,
2: they um they use liquid nitrogen to freeze it, right, and then right. um, she takes the explosive um, round and blows it up.
1: Hasta la vista, baby! Yeah, I mean, that's an iconic... I mean, it's not the final... No, it's not killing of him but it's yeah it, they kind of do the same thing where he he freezes and then breaks into a million pieces and it's kind of the same beat it really is without the cool tagline and and final shot fired by Ripley but it's a it's a cool moment but you're right it it echoes too much the the T2 ending what did this come out first in the theater
2: no. When did T two come out? Ninety one. Oh, ninety one. Yeah. It. So it would have been really fresh in a
0: lot of people's mind. It's just a proximity problem. Like if it came out five years later, nobody would have cared. It wouldn't have been. You know, it was just because it was so soon after T two that it's kind of like, oh, this feels like the same ending. Cameron himself beating them to it, making it even more bitter. Right. But I mean, I do think it's a fine ending for this movie. You know, sure. divorced of that, removed from that reality, it's totally fine.
1: Honestly, and I think that, you know, why would lead affect a creature that has acid for blood? Like, of course it can, you know, exist in that, you know, and it would take sort of a extreme temperature shift to kill it or something like that. I have no problem with that.
2: The shot of the sprinkler system going on and with the chain pull and the music changes and it's like, oh, and then, you know, it's it's pretty cool. Let's talk about the music real
0: quick, because I wanted to bring that up. What do you think of Elliot Goldenthal's score? I like it. It's a little different than what we've seen before in an Alien movie, but I actually really, really dig it. I think sometimes he really nails the whole kind of religious awe kind of thing that they're going for at moments and you know overall i think it works there's a few weird things that he does that i'm not too sure about like that scene i was talking about where the alien's in the corner and ripley's got to pull it out of the corner there's like these drum, right (laughs) there's like these drum fills going on Uh, maybe not but it's it's an interesting choice doesn't really fit i for the most part i think the music here is pretty good which for me is a surprise because i don't actually like Elliot Goldenthal's work usually like he was the one who did the Batman music and those Schumacher Batmans. Oh. And like they Ugh. lose the awesome Danny Elfman music and do his theme, which is like, dun, 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 dun. Oh, it's God. Just terrible. <laughs> but I think he does a good job in this movie.
1: I didn't really think about it much. So it didn't really have that big of an effect on me. I would say it's weak because I didn't notice it. And, or maybe it's fine because I didn't notice it. Um, it doesn't really bring anything new to the table for me. I would have to go back and pay more attention to it, but I think
0: it does. It brings in weird religious themes. Like there's like choirs singing and right, stuff. We haven't right. seen
1: that kind of stuff in an alien
0: movie. Like Cameron's score is really militaristic and, you know, right. like snare drum oriented. Mm-hmm. The first score is more eerie and yeah. stuff. I, I think it's different. I think it's a it's a nice addition to the canon scores
2: I mean nothing really stood out but it was it was good um there are moments i enjoy and moments that i think are odd like like the ones you mentioned sebastian
0: all right so yeah we're basically at the end here the new bishop tries to sweet talk ripley he's telling her like oh we're going to take out the alien you can trust me i'm you know a nice guy i look like the bishop that you liked and stuff but she's like not really buying it one of the company guys shoots morse in the leg And then 85 takes the wrench and hits Bishop, like we said. And that's basically where Ripley knows, like, no, they're not going to, this isn't going to go well at all. They're going to kill everybody, and they're going to take the thing out of me, and then they're going to turn it into a bioweapon. No dice. So she gets herself out over this fire pit in this sort of, this crane arm thing, and the Bishop's like, no, from the chain link fence, and she drops herself into the fire of the furnace, and... If you're watching the uh, original theatrical cut, as she falls into the fire, the queen alien chestburster comes out of her chest and she grabs onto it and holds it into her as she's falling into the flames. I kind of like that. The extended version, you don't see that, which I think is also a fine choice. The only problem is that, again, you've got some bad compositing. You can really see the line around her silhouette. As she falls, it would have been better if the special effects were better. But I do like it as a moment. I do feel that it is a fitting end to Helen Ripley's character. Ellen Ripley, I mean, not Helen Ripley.
2: God, am I even a fan? Just cut that out, Sebastian. No one, no one needs to know. Yeah, yeah. Sh- when I saw the the 2003 cut and it doesn't burst out, it only looked bad because of, um, like you said, the compositing. I kind of missed the queen bursting out. It's hard because when you see one thing first and that's in your mind, it's hard to see this other version of it. It's true. Yeah. And it wasn't like it was like horrifically bad. It, It made sense and it could probably sense that she was falling and wanted to get out.
0: I like it because it gives her one last moment of heroism where she's literally clutching this thing to her and not letting it get out. Right. I kind of like the chestburster. If I was making my ultimate cut, I'd probably leave it in.
1: Yeah, I, I would too. Thematically, I think it does work. I feel like, yeah, Ripley needed to, needs to die. And basically the thing that's been, in addition to the alien that's been hounding her, has been the company. You know, the company's been trying to basically kill her and find the alien this whole time. So here's the ultimate sacrifice and fuck you to the company is I'm going to destroy this thing. So I think I have no problem with the act. I think it's a cool way for her to go out. It's heroic. Like you said, the idea of her taking the alien embryo and holding it and not letting it get away seems a bit much. I I understand what you mean by uh, her final act of heroism, but you know, people were even joking in the behind the scenes that basically she dies by holding a, a giant bloody penis to her chest right it's 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 kind of fucked up and neither of them work in their execution like i when i saw this in the theater every time i saw it in the theater laughs and groans from the entire audience people are like oh god this is so terrible and like you're saying steve like i can't really get that out of my head every time i see this it's so awful and you're just like groaning going like god this is heavy-handed and then in addition to that a bad frame rate it's like the stuttered like cheap frame rate where it's not shot in correct slow motion not 48 frames per second they've taken like a regular thing and then extended it and the fire, the lava looks like a fireball. It doesn't look like the lava she's supposed to be heading into. Every single aspect of this death, which is supposed to be heroic and emotional, is botched on a technical level. So it's just horribly executed. So it's hard for me to to get on board. You know, I mean, like, you see her falling backwards. They could have just ended it on that. That would have been yeah. even more, like, iconic and moving, I feel like, if they had just shown her fall and then you know, yeah. don't actually see our land, and then maybe a splash of lava or something like that would have been way more effective. Um, but the idea is, is is there, and, you know, it's... I'm not mad at the movie for for trying that. You know, it's just the execution.
0: I'm forgiving the execution because I like the idea. And I agree with you. And I remember seeing it in the theater and people were laughing. You're totally right. That shot where you see her just falling from behind is great. It's
1: badass. And
0: they should have just left it there. It's unfortunately (laughs) undermining a pretty
2: powerful moment. Yeah. They've done that in so many movies where they just went a little bit Further than they needed to.
1: You know what they should have done right when she landed in there. They should have had her give the thumbs up right before her <laughs> hand went into the into the lava.
0: I fucking hate that moment. As long as we're talking about kind of annoying, it's any- dumb. Fa- <laughs> it's dumb. T two's got some issues.
2: In the two thousand three cut, what are her arm position when she's falling? Just the- Christ, like yeah, no, right, okay, right, right. It is a total Christ moments, which is heavy handed. Yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, that's it. The site is shut down. Um, the one survivor is Morse. So maybe there's more adventures to be had with our gold tooth, bald inmate Morse. Because they don't kill him. They they're like leading him out. Right. And he's, like right. He's like smiling and looking around. And um, we get a voice log from the original alien going over these last few scenes. If we're seeing the whole area being shut down, and we see the eev and we're hearing this voice log i don't think that's actually in the extended version is it? it is it's in both it is yeah it's in both oh it is okay it is you know
1: sebastian i'm gonna make an alien movie and the first thing i'm gonna do is kill morse (laughs) that's fine (laughs) that would
2: piss me off that makes me yeah steve's
1: gonna be the one guy that's pissed he's the
0: biggest morse fan around
2: yeah i'm actually gonna look up what else that guy's been up to
0: since we we don't really need to go into too much more about like the box office and I, I will say this, like the critical reaction was mostly bad, but weirdly not so much in the UK. And I've noticed that a lot of people from the UK are way more fond of Alien 3 than Americans. I don't know why.
1: Well, it's the, the actors and they're sympathetic to a dark, bleak, gray landscape and they're like, they recognize themselves in that, I think. This is
0: true, yeah. But let me just throw some questions at you just for fun. Like, Alien 3, is it better than Alien Resurrection? Chris?
1: I'll have to watch. Oh, God. Um, No. Uh, Alien Resurrection. Well, fuck. I haven't seen Alien Resurrection in so long. Like, I remember my initial reaction being like, Alien Resurrection. Oh, finally. That was better than Alien 3. That was my initial reaction coming out of the theater because it was at least more fun Uh and had cool swimming underwater aliens and Winona Ryder was in it. But uh, is it? Uh, I would have to... Do that for another tentpole trauma for an official answer.
0: I'll take you up on that. Steve, Alien Resurrection, better than Alien 3 or worse?
2: So Re- Alien Resurrection goes into what if the company had aliens, like had access to them and their experimentation. It's almost like uh, Gremlins 2 where they're like, oh, <laughs> this alien does it this way and this alien does not yeah. Alien Resurrection, it's by that... uh Junaid? what's Junaid, the... yeah. It has his crew of, you know, actors, and I think Ron Perlman's in it.
1: Oh, and Wormtongue is in it, and he's like, "Yeah, you're
2: a beautiful butterfly. That's right, right. Yeah. It's <laughs> full of all this sort of weird craziness. It's It's just such a different movie. I enjoy Alien 3 for what it is, and Alien Resurrection is this wacky other thing.
0: I am an unabashed fan of all four of these initial Ripley movies. I like them all, honestly. I accept that 3 and 4 are lesser films than 1 and 2, but I like the fact that both of them have the balls to kind of go in their own direction. I think that Resurrection, for me, is not as good of a film because I don't think that the performances on the whole are as solid as the performances in this movie. I feel that the direction is off because the director is this French guy who's putting in this weird sort of humor that doesn't quite jibe with the world. I feel like the script is a little too Joss Whedon-y, clever for clever's sake. So ultimately, for me, Resurrection falls below Alien 3 because I feel that Alien 3 is a good movie, That has suffered unfair criticism for not being as good as the movies that came before it, which I think was an impossible task. I think if you could remove all of that from the equation, aside from the moments that we talked about in terms of compositing, that last unfortunate moment with the falling into the inferno... And stuff, I feel that Alien 3 on the whole is a good sci fi horror movie by a director who's making his first film. And for a first fucking film, I think it's fucking great. And like, he shouldn't be ashamed of this movie, he should be proud that he was able to put this out. Despite all the adversity he was facing from the studio as a first time director, it's a miracle that he didn't just quit <laughs> filmmaking then and he's gone on to be a pretty great director. And I love the Sigourney Weaver elements. I love how Ripley's story plays out in it and I love the cast and all of the other characters. So on the whole, I feel that Alien 3 is a better movie. Chris, watching it this time, have you had any new appreciation for Alien Three? Or are you still exactly where you were before? Be honest.
1: Um, no. I'm more sympathetic to the creation of it. I after watching the behind the scenes, you know, I, I have sympathy for every, almost everyone involved, except for the executives that greenlit everything without a script. You know, I feel like they are the people to blame for just trying to cash in on this franchise when they should have taken their time to find something that worked and 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 given David Fincher, obviously everything that he wanted, you know, if, if he had been there through post and seen it through, I'm sure we would have had even better than the assembly cut, you know, something that was like really good. Granted, people would have still been sore about the idea of, you know, killing off Bishop, Hicks and Newt. Rightfully so, people shouldn't get over that. People have the right to be pissed. Judging the movie on its own merits, I think it's decent. I would probably never return to it if it wasn't an alien movie.
0: So you're saying it's decent.
1: It's decent, yeah. I have
0: that on record, All right, and I can edit it to make it sound like that's your final statement. It's
1: pretty decent, so... Even better, pretty decent. So there are certain movies that I'm thinking now where it's like, it's, it's one and two, and that's it. You know, not everything needs to be a trilogy. The Godfather, one and two. Aliens. Terminator, one and two. The third one will always run out of gas. And, like, the rhyme, like, Back to the Future, one and two. Like, the third one always gets, the rhyme starts to get old. You know, no one believes Ripley. You're like, oh, God, again, you know? It's like Marty McFly waking up in his mom's bed again. And, oh, they lost their leader. Now everyone flips out. Now let's plan how to trap the alien. It starts to become all very familiar and not... By the third time, you're really just, it's hard. I get it. It's hard to like make it fresh and new. And I think there's, there should be a new template where like, you know what? Sometimes there's the one and then there's the second one and let's quit while we're ahead. And I feel like, they should never have moved forward without a, without a good script. Even they threw all this great talent and money at this movie, which elevates it so much more than what it should be. If, if someone just filmed this crappy script that wasn't David Fincher, oh God, this would be like TV movie level. It would be horrible. It would be terrible to watch. And if uh, Sigourney Weaver wasn't in it and Charles Dutton and Charles Dance weren't in it, we would be in serious trouble. But the craft, everything else, elevates this movie to pretty decent. And I still will never get over everything else.
0: I want to address what you're saying about like third movies and why there's typically a problem. And I think that's because when a third movie works, it's because it has been envisioned as a trilogy. Right. Making a decent sequel isn't that hard because all you have to do is take what they did before and bring it up to some kind of other level, which is exactly what Aliens does. Yeah. It's exactly what Terminator 2 does. It's why they are successful. Godfather 2 is successful because it goes kind of in a different direction. It's half prequel, half sequel. It's moving things in a direction. I think most franchises run on a road when you're not envisioning a proper trilogy because it's like, okay, what do you do next? What I appreciate about the Alien movies is when they reach that point they were like, okay, let's try something different. They don't try to up the ante necessarily. They give it to a director who's got a vision and then allow that director to sort of do something with it. And that's why I think at least the two Alien sequels after the first two are interesting.
1: I'll give it that, that I would rather see this movie than Michael Bay trying to make Aliens the sequel. You know what I mean? Like, that is my ultimate... That would have been even worse that would have been just terrible. Like my my ideal for Alien Three would have been like David Cronenberg, right, like directing a William Gibson crazy body horror script or something like that. I think like something like that would have been like sort of an interesting direction to go in. But um, I, I get what you're saying. Like at, at least they they tried to they had the balls or someone somewhere had maybe Vincent Ward just with his like weird idea that he had on the plane before his pitch meeting. You know, like had some out of left field ideas.
0: Steve, closing thoughts on Alien Three. How do you feel about it?
2: I enjoyed it then. I still enjoy it now. And as far as I I can agree what you're saying about, you know, having completely envisioned a trilogy or a quadrilogy or not running out of gas, but it, it can be done like, you know, what Chris was saying, if the script had been rock solid before they even went to shoot, it would have been way better. I mean, look at Toy Story 3. No one wanted it. No one needed it. That's a great freaking movie. Yeah. And it's exactly what the Alien trilogy or Quadrilogy is doing. They're doing it different every time. The first movie is sort of this, like, buddy, you know, replacement Kind of story than a rescue. The second movie is um, I forget, but the third movie is a prison escape movie. And you're like, right? What? I didn't see that coming. This is amazing.
0: Um, Yeah, they're jumping genres, which is what Alien to Aliens does, because you go from a horror movie to a action movie. Action movie. I mean,
2: this third movie just is it's it's just a different thing. And I appreciate that it's it's different. And yes, I'm still pissed that they you know killed off my favorites from. Well, not my favorites, because Ripley is my favorite, but the other characters, you, you wanted to see something there with them. And it's sort of like, oh, Disney is doing the multiverse thing with with Marvel? Why not do it with Alien? No, you know, that's horrible. Please don't. Oh, they almost
0: did. Oh, what about God. the Neil? Did, did you hear about the yeah. Neil Blomkamp movie? We should talk a little bit about that before we end this. Yeah. Would you have wanted to see his proposed sequel to Aliens where he was going to retcon Alien
2: 3 out?
1: 100%.
2: Sure. They sort of did that with um Superman Returns. Yes, they It, it came right after the Donner, Superman 2, and they forgot about 3 and 4, right? Yeah. The designs that Blomkamp had for the alien, they looked super freaky, and I love how he can do CG in reality but have it look freaking real. Granted, it's robots, but like the alien biomechanical H.R. Giger design lends itself well to that, for sure.
0: I'll say this about the whole Blomkamp thing. I would have been definitely interested to see it I don't like the idea of my beloved Alien 3 being retconned out of existence, so I guess that would be my moment that everybody who hates Alien 3 would be dealing with, where I'd be like, fuck this movie, because <laughs> it's getting rid of my Alien 3. But I would definitely have, would have been curious to see it. I mean, I who am I kidding? I would have been there opening weekend. What
1: if it was the... Uh the fury road of the series and turned out to be better than everything well
0: you know if that's what had happened then that would be the world we're living in but that ain't the world we're living in (laughs) all right guys well i'm gonna go shave my head and crack open a little girl's rib cage and throw myself into a furnace
1: (laughs) oh newt rest in peace newt and hicks
0: That about does it today for Tentpole Trauma.
1: If you like what
0: you heard, check out our social media presence on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just look for Tentpole Trauma. That was easy, wasn't it? If you like us, hit subscribe, and leave us a sterling review on iTunes, if you dare. If you really like us, head over to Patreon.com and get involved in one of our fabulous tiers. You'll be glad you did. Want to communicate with Tentpole Trauma? Send an email to tentpoltrauma at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And who knows, one day you may even get your email read on one of our shows. Well, thanks for listening,
1: and we'll see you real soon.